Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. I recorded. <laughs> well, we're pre- yeah, uno, dos, three, uno, dos, what did you say? Uno, dos, three? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, you don't know how to say tres? Yeah, no, I, I do, but I thought it was it was a joke. It was it was for the comedic oh, value. Gotcha. Although they haven't gotten into numbers yet on Duolingo, there there's there's a lot like like yo soy un niño. <laughs> yo soy un niño. Yeah, that one's easier. It's dude it, the rolling. Tu, Armando, tú es una niña. <laughs> no, no, that's see that's the thing is you're skipping your all the words that have a rolling R. You're forgetting those. It's eres. Tú eres. Oh, to Eras, you're right. Yeah, but you get, but you get, you get the for the most part, it's there. To Eras on the Nina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was correct. That was good. I mean, I so, I, I don't know if it was anatomy, <laughs> anatomically correct, but that was grammatically correct. To Eras una mujer. There you go. I prefer to be a woman than a, a girl. I'm. I'm to a, to 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 no would it be two eres no or just two two es un hombre no two eres un hombre yeah two eres two eres un hombre okay but yeah that's there's a lot of man woman boy girl and then what about all LGBTQ does Spanish uh, Duolingo the, have anything we, for that they they haven't that's I haven't gotten to that lesson yet I think that's that's a more advanced course yo yo no soy que eres <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't a, I'm a lot better. Like, like when I can see, when I see it written, I'm actually just pretty good. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I just know what that means. And when I I hear it, then I'm like, okay. And then I'm I'm starting to try to do it because a lot of times, like they'll they'll show you a sentence in like in Spanish, and then you have to like click on the words to make the English the, the sentence in English, or they'll do it reverse like that. But I'm just trying to like when I anytime where I, I see. When they show an English sentence, I'll try to just like say it to myself in Spanish without. I feel like it's like cheating because I, I it doesn't it right now what they're doing is helping me read Spanish more than actually speak it. Right. So in order to speak it better, and I know there's population in in where you're from, just go to a place and try to chat up. Go to a carniceria. There's got to be one in in Denver. You know what carniceria yeah, is? I, I, I I'm assuming that is some sort of eatery. Uh, meat market. Yeah. Carniceria, meat market. Go to a meat market and just go in there. Say, I want to buy like a couple pounds of meat, but try try practice some Spanish, dude. Those guys, they don't give a fuck. They'll fuck with you, but it'll be it's like it's like the equivalent of going to a deli, I would imagine, hmm. where they're just gonna talk shop and, and fuck with you and have a good time. I might I might wait until uh, pussy. The, 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 there's there's not a, a a global pandemic. Oh yeah, you got a point, but still, we can practice here on the show. <laughs> that's why i suggested spanish lessons with armando yeah perfect we have a new segment ladies and germs espanol con armando y aaron yo soy aaron <laughs> there you go perfect moving on welcome to the show hombres y mujeres niños y niñas escuchando how do you say gentlemen's clubhouse in spanish i don't know I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> you're, you're, you're asking me. <laughs> like, I'll have to think like, about uh, that. I'll have to think about yes, that. Yes, Armando, let me correct your Spanish very quickly. Yeah, I'll have to think <laughs> about that. 
We'll have to, we'll have to, yeah. I might have to dub that in at some point. But anyway, welcome to the show, guys. Uh, what'd you think of uh, the Darren Till Robert Whitaker fight? I know you favored Whitaker. I said my money was on Till, and you were right. Usually, when I look at matchups, I don't really try to predict outcomes so much because, as cliche as it is, the fuck, it's MMA, anything can happen. Like, it's so true. Like, I mean, and, and in that fight, that anything can happen almost to apply, right? It was almost over in the first round. Right. I mean, Whitaker blitzed in till his timing was phenomenal, caught him with a great elbow. That could have been in the end of the fight. But when I'm looking at fights, I try to think about it in terms of the, the style and how that's going to translate to what we see in the octagon. And, how, and, then, and then once you figure those things out, it's like, okay, how is this going to play out? And yeah, I just said I thought Whitaker's a better all-around mixed martial artist. He's a better grappler. He's a better athlete. And then you know, while I, you know, it was it was possible Till had an advantage purely as a striker. It's like if he uses the full extent of his game, then I, then he's got an advantage. And yeah, like you said, like so I favor him. And I was just I was really happy to see not only him get the win, but start to incorporate his wrestling. I know he's a very good wrestler, uh, you know, to the point where he could have been an Olympic wrestler for Australia. Like he, I think he, he, he may qualified. Um, and uh, on a personal level, I mean, the things that always interest me the most is the stories of the, what these guys have gone through. And, you know, Whitaker had been through a lot of shit. Like, can, can you think of all this stuff? Like, I know he had a bunch of injuries. He had, like, an intestinal surgery. Do you know Do you know what was wrong with his, his daughter? No, we talked about it very, very briefly the last episode about how his daughter, um, he may have had to donate, like, bone marrow or something to his daughter. And, like, he didn't really, it wasn't really a big public, publicly made thing. I know, I do recall that time that Dana White said, oh, Whitaker's got some personal issues he's got to take care of. Like, they were trying to match him up with somebody, I forget who. And, uh, and it was, yeah, it was Jared Cannonier, which maybe, right. maybe he do- he might have dodged a bullet on that Cannonier's one. Cannonier is a beast. He's a guy that used to fight in heavyweight and came down at one eighty five and was just mauling dudes. But but you know it's you know it's something pretty good when Dana White doesn't put you on blast. When when Dana White was like, oh, he's got personal like just the same thing with Khabib's father dying. He didn't mm-hmm. normally when someone's ducking out of a fight and really ducking out of a fight, Dana White will put you on blast and talk shit about you and how he, you know, the guy doesn't want to fight and blah, 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 blah. It wasn't the case with Whitaker. It wasn't the case with Habib. Good for Dana White for not, you know, bashing these guys. Especially especially in the Whitaker uh, situation because Whitaker should be a huge draw, but he's, he's not. Yeah. Whereas... I mean, with Dana White, I, I always am like, what is the most selfish possible motive he could have for acting in a certain way? And then I always just assume it's that. So with Khabib, when he didn't put him on blast, I I really was like, I bet Dana is afraid that if he talks shit about Khabib right now, Khabib will say, fuck you, ne- right. will never fight for the UFC again, and he's going to lose all that, that money that he, he could potentially make off of Khabib. So like like maybe you're a better person for for giving Dana White credit, you know, for being like a decent human being. But I just assume he's just always a selfish asshole in in all respects. But he had no there was there was no um, motive for him to be other than being nice to Robert Whitaker. So I, I think you're uh, I think you're probably spot on. But I also think there is a little bit of a good. There's got to be a little bit of a good guy in him. In him. Ah, there doesn't though. <laughs> okay, 
I think there's still a little bit of human left in him. Obviously, money is king in this world we live in. It's it's unfortunate, but he is money driven. You know, if you go deep down into Dana White's soul, there's just like old black jo- uh, blackjack chips, like so- a little bit of cocaine, and just blackness. <laughs> oh, you're an asshole. I think I like when I say when I say blackness, I don't mean like like you know soul funk brother blackness. I mean like oh. just eat. E- evil, like like terrible depths of despair, blackness. You, you went there. You, oh my god, you went there. <laughs> I went where? <laughs> Never mind. I won't repeat it. I won't repeat it. I don't know what you're talking. Moving about. Moving on. So yeah, congrats to Whitaker. Um, I know he was campaigning already for a, like a fight with Adesanya again. Uh, you know, Adesanya's already matched up with Paulo Costa. That's going to be a crazy fight. Um, do you think Whitaker deserved? You think Whitaker did enough in this fight to earn him the next shot after afterward, or are there other 185ers that we need to consider? Uh, I, I think he should take at least one more fight, regardless. I mean, it, so so the the toughest part is style matchups typically do not change. So, like, if it was a bad style matchup for someone you know, a year ago or five years ago or, or 10 years ago, most of the time, unless they just dramatically changed every aspect of their game, it's still going to be a bad style matchup. And it's great. Like, I think, you know, incorporating more wrestling would definitely level the playing field for, for Whitaker against Adesanya. But at the base of it, Whitaker is a striker. He's a striker who likes to come in fast and blitz. And till... Till is like a decent counterpuncher, but if you watch him, like he's not great off of his back foot. Most of his counterpunching, he has a razor thin margin for error because he has to time it just perfect where he's coming forward and the person's trying to come forward and he catches them. Whereas like Adesanya can be moving backwards, throw a punch, miss, and then he still has like two or three more punches that he can he can sequence in after that first one and land. And like that's just always going to be difficult for Whitaker to deal with. And it's always going to be a dangerous proposition when he blitzes in. And that's sort of like his whole striking game is built around that. So it's like, dude, just, just take another fight. Like incorporate your wrestling in more. Get a little bit more comfortable doing that in an MMA setting. And then, and then go back. Like trying to rush right back, you know, regardless of what he said. Like... I fully believe Whitaker when he said, oh, I was really out of it. Like, that wasn't me in there, that he he could fight better. Like, all of that's true. It's still a bad style matchup. Just pump the brakes, man. Get another fight in. Yeah. May, uh, yeah. There, I think 185, dep- depending on what happens this weekend, and I don't want to talk about the next card yet, because I think we'll talk about it later in this episode. Um, but depending on what happens this weekend at the main event, um, 185 can be very... Uh, Interesting again, um, depending on the outcome of the main event. But yeah, I think Whitaker made a case for being this durable, very well-rounded guy. Excellent um, kickboxing, like you said. I don't want to repeat everything you said, but yeah, he he's he is. I don't think you can move him out of top five or top three. I think he stays up there. Um, I mean, he's he's ranked he's ranked one right, right now. I'm saying even if even if he would have lost to Till, mm-hmm. he's that good. Where I don't think he's. I I always thought he was just not good enough to be champion, but like for sure up there. 
But yeah. obviously, I was wrong. He was a champion, and he, and he's he's been uh, proving in, in his fights that he is he is up there. He does belong in the top I'm, top three, top five. You know for sure. You know, and, and I think the nice thing, uh, um, and, and it's it's tough because like Till's on a pretty substantial. Uh, well, I guess he's not on a, on a losing streak, but but he's lost what three out of his last four. Um, but that being said, like I I think that fight was really encouraging for Till as well because he he looked great. Yeah. Like he really did yes. fight a good fight. Like obviously he has stuff to work on so forth and so on, but like I think that definitely said that he belongs in that upper echelon at 185. And I think so he, that that I'm oh, sorry. Uh, I think he's oh, got yeah, go ahead. I think he's got a lot more good 185 fights coming his way um for the foreseeable next one or two years at least, I think. Um, yeah, he, he, he's for sure, I'd say he's, I think he's like maybe in the top 10, five to 10, maybe somewhere in there. Um, but it gets very dirty in the bottom, like the bottom 10, it gets very, or the bottom five of that top 10. It gets very like any motherfucker, um, can step up one day and have an excellent performance and earn himself a title shot. So. So, so who, who, if you're the, the the manager for Whitaker, who would you book him against? I that's why I didn't want to talk too much into this weekend's fight card, but I think depending on what happens, uh, with I think either guy that wins this next main card matchup could be a good matchup for Whitaker, and then the winner of that will be a number one contender. If we're talking, if we're saying Whitaker deserves one more fight before the title shot, if if he's not going to cut the line and get the winner of Costa Adesanya, if he needs one more fight to go before another title shot, mm-hmm. I think the winner of Shabazian and Brunson fights Whitaker, and then that guy gets a title shot. So, so the the, the funniest thing, and this was I guess two two cards ago, is you know normally when it's the post fight interview and that you know whoever is Rogan or, or John Anik uh, interviews him and he's like, well, so what's what's next for you? And then you get that like, oh, whatever, you know, the UFC and Dana White yeah. won. I'm, I'm ready to fight anyone anytime. Like, it's, it's like, dude, fucking, like, so at least, at least, you know, the more kind of forward-thinking people will call somebody out. I have never seen Jack Hermanson subs Kelvin Gastelum oh, round yeah. one. And then Jack Hermanson, like, they're like, so what's next? And then he just, he just says the entire... 185 picture. He's like, so Whitaker is going to beat Till, so I'm going to fight Whitaker, and then Costa's going to beat Adesanya, and then Jared Cannonier is going to fight Adesanya, and then when I beat Whitaker, then I'll fight, <laughs> I'll fight, uh, Jared, uh, I'll fight Cannonier again in a rematch in the title. I was like, what? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, re- I don't remember if he called. He he called. I don't know if if he said who is going to win again between Costa and. Uh, Kenanier, but like he had it like he was like not only uh predicting fights he was like setting up his own little bracket i'm like that's hilarious yeah again 185 is crazy because i would have not i didn't i i for sure i thought gaslam i didn't think it was gonna be easy but i thought gaslam was gonna be um uh fuck he just said his name jack hermanson jack hermanson i keep i wanted to call him the joker that's his uh his mma nickname uh did we already did we yeah. did we already talk about that in another episode? What our MMA? I don't know. We we, we don't need to. Yeah. Anyway, he the, the the problem with Jack Hermanson is he he is not very big. Like Jack Hermanson is almost the same size I am. He's a big and dude. He's not. He, I'm, I'm not I'm, I I would be tiny for one eighty five. 
Like he's a small 185er and he's not like a plus athlete either. Like he's a, I mean, obviously he's a good athlete. He's competing in the upper tier of, of, uh, the UFC, but like, he's not, he's not a, a next level athlete. So it's just going to be tough for him. And, you know, against Gaslam, who, who like, he's a guy who can make 170 and probably really should be a 170 or it wasn't that big of an issue. But I, I think he, you know, when you, when you saw him against a guy like Cannoneer, who, I mean, is a phenomenal athlete and he's a big, uh, you know, middleweight, like it, you, you could see all of a sudden, you know, he goes in for a takedown and like bounces off. It's like, well, yeah, that <laughs> might be a little bit of a problem for you, bud. Phenomenal martial artist, though. With the decline of Anderson to Spider Silva, there's a lot more craziness going on at 85. It, it looks it, 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 there's going to be some pretty good. I think there's going to be a couple of pretty good matchups for the next you know one or two three years unless we get a clear cut. If Adesanya just continues to dominate, which I don't think I don't think that's the case. I think I think he's got holes in his game still. I think he's going to eventually lose. But um, so I I think Adesanya has fewer holes in his game. Than Anderson Silva had, and I think his strengths. I think it, he might. He's arguably better where his strengths are than Anderson Silva was. But the flip side is 185 is so so much better than it was yes. than when Anderson was reigning. Yeah. I mean that like Anderson Silva is not a guy who I'm sitting there was like, oh, he was like overrated. Like he 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 legitimately was good, and that's why he looks so next level against against those guys. But on the flip side, the guys he was fighting just were not at the level right. of the, you know, the, the top tier now. It felt it just, like they just weren't. In hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. But it felt like every time he was matched up against somebody, they weren't really a clear threat to finish him. I mean, I didn't even think I didn't think Weidman was going to do it, and but Weidman surprised us when Anderson was playing around. But uh, that's enough. I think we talked about enough about um, Whitaker Till. Any other fights that card? I know you you mentioned the Gustafson Verdum thing, and we both knew that uh, was. You sent you sent me a picture. I don't know if you sent me a picture privately or you put it on your blasted or I don't know where. Uh, bo- both of those things. Yeah, happened. You, you put the uh, <laughs> the fat Thor picture, and immediately I was like, "Yep, that's Gus. That's Gustafson. He just looked like Fat yeah. Thor from the Marvel character." The, the... I, I I like Gus, but he he's a one dimensional fighter with a lot of holes in his game and i don't know i hope he sticks around at heavyweight he could still be successful but i don't know it's tough it's tough he right it's because he already retired once he already retired once and then he unretired he has a he's got a kid he's got a a hot-ass wife um if his heart's still in it sure he's got plenty more fights coming up at heavyweight or at 205 if he wants to cut again you know what fuck it gus retire We're, we're, we're saying it now. If I'm Gus's manager, I think you're right. Because you know what? Here, here's the problem. At heavyweight, he still doesn't have knockout power. He doesn't have one-shot knockout power. All those heavyweights do. So even if he's a much better, you know, say he fights Derek Lewis. Like, he he's going to be quicker. He's going to be a better boxer. And Derek Lewis is going to be able to just ignore his punches and just throw huge haymakers until he eventually lands I, I one. I will like, say this. In defense of Gustafson not retiring... The guy is durable as shit. He's obviously been he's been able to take beatings. So at heavyweight, he might be able to take yeah. some beatings and just hang in there and out cardio some big but, slop. You know. Y- yes, he could. That's what I'm saying. Is is that's not a game you want to play at heavyweight. <laughs> 
you you could he could do that. I have no doubt he could win those matches. But but winning based on durability at heavyweight is just not a good way to live your life. Like <laughs> loss of brain cells. Is is yeah? Is that is that one win over? Um, what, who, what what was the guy that that uh, Engano just KO'd? Um, you know, uh, what is his name? Or you know, I said or it's just Derek Lewis. Is that win over Derek Lewis worth not being able to remember which your, uh, house you live in when you're sixty years old? Who knows? Maybe he needs the money. He's got a daughter. Who knows? Yeah, I would maybe. watch it. I'd watch that fight. I, would you watch that fight? No. Die, you fucking I mean, lying sack of shit. <laughs> Like if it was if okay let, let me see if it was in the middle I wouldn't I wouldn't watch that as appointment only like if that was the only fight on the card I, I probably wouldn't if it was a co-main special if it was a co-main and and I wanted to see the main then yeah probably all right there you go I like watching fights even the fights uh, anyway I won't get into that I like watching shit Not, with undercard fighters fighting just as long as they're good matchups. I, I used to watch everything. I'd watch the undercards. I'd be trying to, you know, trying to identify prospects coming up. Like I would listen to the the uh, post fight interviews. I'd listen to the post fight press conferences. And then I don't, I don't know what it was. My my motivation to get that deep into it declined a little bit. Like I'm still interested in, in big picture and how skills develop. But I'm like I have to I have to pare down my focus. I think. Yeah. So on that note, let's. <laughs> Let's, there's more we could talk about this card. We could talk about uh, Carla Esparza maintaining her gatekeeper status, or, or Cowboy Oliveira and Peter Sabata and, and dirty, dirty, dirty fighting, <laughs> or or, uh, or Tall Khabib. But let's let's just move Tal on. Tall Khabib, he's calling out Cowboy. Uh, of course, he he that that's great. It's a money <laughs> fight. It's a money fight, and uh, dude, the the wave of uh, I don't want to call them all Russians, but. What do you? What would you call them? A former Soviet? Yeah, whatever. Russians. Um, That's fine. The wave of these guys coming in, man, they're they're looking for a long time. It was the Brazilians, right? The Brazilians were ruling uh, MMA in general, right? Yes, yes, brother. <laughs> uh, Brazilians are are weak. But the uh, but the, the, uh, the bro- brother, they cannot compete. Brazilians is is so is warm. They're soft. They they go to their little flavellas and it's nice and hot. Come to Russia, brother. We show you. I don't think they use brother there, do they? He he's, he's he says brother like every that that particular. So I actually have not seen him fight either. I've just heard heard the all the hype around him. Um, but I have heard him inter uh, one of his interviews and he says brother every like third or fourth word. There there was a cu- there was a couple and I and I'm. Uh... I'm forgetting their names now, and I should have written them down before we started. But there was a couple other undercard fighters that were like, "Oh shit, watch out for this guy." Um, I think I no, it wasn't this last card. It was a card before last where I texted. He's like, "Dude, are you watching this shit?" You're like, "No." I'm like, "The prelim fights, five of the six have been finishes." So there's a lot of guys that are. There's a lot of cool prospects down the pike. UFC's doing good about keeping the pipe very robust, so it doesn't get boring and stagnant. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a little bit more money in it now. Like, bef- like, it's only recently where it was more than, well, this is just for the love of fighting, and I'm gonna lose teeth and brain cells for you know eight thousand um, dollars. You know, people once you once you see some of the paychecks that that guys are pulling in, people are like, oh, that could be me. And yeah, you know, Khabib, you know, whether he he never fights again, has made 
more money than he will need for the rest of his life to, to live comfortably in Dagestan. And there's going to be a lot of people following in his footsteps. You, you saw the, uh, I don't know where I, I don't know where we're going to go with the conversation, the meat part of our conversation next, but did you see, um, we don't have to go too far into this, but did you see the matchup for Khabib Gaethje has been announced? I did. Fucking wonderful fight. Oh my God. Yeah. We'll talk about that more when we closer to October, October 24th. So that, that one, and I will tell you, I, that one I actually have scouted. Like when I, cause when that was on the table before it was even announced, I went back and was started to watch Justin Gaethje's college wrestling because so, okay. So here's the thing about wrestling that a lot of people don't understand. All, all wrestlers are not created equal when it comes to MMA. And what I mean by that is, So a guy like Khabib doesn't have Olympic wrestling credentials. He didn't win a gold medal, whereas a guy like Yoel Romero did. But that that so Olympic wrestling does not translate particularly well to MMA. Olympic wrestling is freestyle wrestling where you spend very little time on the mat. If if the um, it's Olympic wrestling is all about takedowns and very little about control. If that makes sense. So, because they wanted they wanted it to be more entertaining, they wanted it to be faster paced, and so it's like if you get a guy down on the mat and you don't immediately start scoring points, they just stand you back up. So, like, yeah, Yoel Romero knows top control. Like, he, I mean, he, you know, he, you can't get that far without. But it wasn't something that they like inherently focused on. So that's why, and I think that might be part of the reason why he doesn't Yoel doesn't use wrestling that much because he's like yeah i can take him down but he's gonna get just get right back up and i'm gonna get tired and i'm 57 years old like i'm just gonna just do my like Yoel lodham and, and knock him out whereas those these russian guys especially with sambo and things like that it's like there's so much control it's so much isolating limbs um controlling limbs like breaking guys down like that translates phenomenally well as obviously you know we're seeing to, to mma and then in american folk style wrestling which is what they do in college it can go either way there's guys like um i'm trying to give you an example like a johnny hendrix like i i you know I, i've watched uh multiple wrestling matches of his, uh, of his where like he really was a guy that just wanted to kind of get a takedown and be really defensive and he wanted to win matches like three to two and so that wasn't like the best suited like yeah well, he he could do well against you know, people who didn't have much grappling at, at all. But then you get guys like Askren who are all about control, and it would have been great to see Askren in his prime. So anyhow, long story short, I wanted to see with Gaethje. I'm like, what what type of wrestler was he? How how was his wrestling going to translate potentially to, to MMA? Since, like, we've never really seen him wrestle in, in mixed martial arts. And uh, the answer is he... <sighs> I'm trying to think how to put it. the 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 answer was was results may vary. It's hard to say. Yeah, uh, he was he was he was a wrestler that really relied heavily on athletic ability and setting a crazy pace. And I'm like, I don't know how well that's gonna work against Khabib. It's like there's gonna be a breaking point where either he's athletic enough and his scrambling and wrestling is enough just is just good enough to neutralize Khabib and then he looks great and it could be it's going to be a really interesting fight or it's not good enough and it's going to be Khabib That's doing why Khabib. um 
Sorry, that was a whole. Yeah, tangent. I don't want to get too far into that fight because we're still months away from that fight happening, and who knows what could happen between now and October twenty fourth. But but good point. Feel free to feel free to cut that whole thing. No out. no no, we're gonna leave it in. But I did want to say uh, that I think I think right now one fifty five, Habib, Gaethje, and Ferguson are this weird triangle where one guy will smash another, but lose to the the third guy in that triangle. And I think Gaethje. Mm. I think you're right. I think I think Habib's re- well again. I don't want to repeat what you said, but I think Habib's control is going to take care of Gaethje's damage and brawliness. Um, but Gaethje's brawliness obviously already took down or d- d- destroyed Ferguson. But I think Ferguson will be a bigger threat to uh, Habib because even if he gets taken mm. down on the ground, he's a fucking squirrely little guy on the ground. So. Again, so we're yet to see. Yes, yes, and no. I that's one. May, I'll, I'll table it. But no, I th- I think unfortunately for for Ferguson, he's he's the odd man out. I think his fight with with Khabib would have been completely entertaining, but based on what we've seen from him against good wrestlers, like he, it would have just been a a rough night for him against Khabib. Maybe you, you could you could be right. Maybe there there is a little bit of. Uh Fanboy, I, I think I am. Stop it. Yeah, Th- there is a little fanboy in me with uh, Ferguson, and you told a story last week. I'm going to tell a really, qu- I'll try to make a quick and easy story of my encounter yeah. with Tony Ferguson. So mm-hmm. uh, Jay, myself, my brother attended a UFC event, <laughs> and we had like level 200 seats, which are like um, not the not nosebleeds, but somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. But we had tickets. We sat where we were supposed to sit. A buddy of mine had made Xerox copies of his tickets, which were floor-level tickets. He texted me mid-card. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Are you at the fight? I'm like, yes, we are. Meet me at this whatever bar. I won't say which event it was, but he's like, meet me at this bar at this event. So we went, we met up, and he's like, I got these Xerox copies of tickets. We're going to go to the floor and just find whatever empty seats. You only need the tickets to get past the security guards, but once you get past the security guards, the floor is open. So I sat next to a bunch of UFC stars. Uh, uh, Sam Alvey and his beautiful wife, who I think was pregnant still at the time. I don't know. Um, bumped into Nick Diaz. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, let, I love that caveat. Sam, went, well, Sam Alvey and his beautiful wife, who was either pregnant or she was just fat. I don't know. No, no, no. I can't recall if she was. Yeah, one or the other. Um, Nick Diaz. <laughs> That's the way I translated uh, that in my head. Bumped into Nick Diaz, <laughs> okay. bumped into a few other people. Anyway, we're at, I'm at the bar. I'm lined up at the bar. I'm buying beers. I'm having a I'm I'm hammered. I'm hammered at this fight because one of my favorite mm-hmm. all-time fighters is one of the co-main events. I'm not gonna again. I'm not gonna mention what card it was. Um, and in the same line, waiting for drinks, right behind me was Tony Ferguson. I turn around, I go, oh shit, you're Tony, Fer- Tony Ferguson. I'm pretty hammered. I'm like, dude, please, 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 you have to do me the honor. Let me buy you a drink, whatever you want. He's like, oh no, man, you don't have to buy. Please, please, come on, man. I'm a big fan of yours. Let me buy you a drink. All right, buy me a Modelo. So I bought him a Modelo beer. We talk for a little bit, chit chat. I'm like, dude, I'm such a big fan of your style. It's so crazy, so predictable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm also a big uh, MMA card, like trading card geek like i have a bunch of ufc cards laugh at me now insert laugh track yes i do it's like baseball cards but with ufc shut up 
I'm like, dude, I'm such a big like card, and I didn't I didn't know I was gonna bump into you, so otherwise I would have brought some stuff for you to sign. I don't have anything for you to sign, dude. Do you mind signing a napkin or something, whatever? He did me one better. He pulled off a little mini boxing glove off of his personal keychain. Boxing glove was the size of a maybe half dollar. He pulls that little boxing glove out, signs it for me from his keychain, gives it to me. I'm like, dude, thank you. I I I was drunk, so I got a little emotional. I almost cried. I didn't cry, but I was happy to see him. He was a fucking a, a kind guy and all for the price of a Modelo. And I will never forget that. So yes, I am a bit of a T-Freak fanboy. I, I don't begrudge you that. I think Tony Ferguson is a, a strange but wonderful human being. Champ shit only. But I just from all the years of coaching and like one of the best things I, I, I was able to do as uh, as a recruiter was talent evaluation and looking at a, a player in a vacuum. And what I've been meaning in, in a vacuum is a lot of coaches couldn't tell if someone was good unless, you know, if they, if they saw a player playing against a good team and they were doing well against other good players, they could be like, oh, they're good. But I could see someone playing against like a cr- crap competition and be like, no, no, they're still good. And what they're going to do, Uh, what they do on the field is going to translate against better competition or, oh, wow, this player is doing phenomenally well. They look amazing, but that's only because of shortcomings of of the team that they're going against. And like, so I was able to, I mean, that was one of the things that I could do best. And I had like a couple of my like uh, friends who were D1 coaches would say, can you please come to this game and like just evaluate this kid for me? Because I don't know how much to offer them. Uh, in terms of a scholarship and like I don't I can't like I think they're really good but I'm not sure I'm like how the fuck are you doing coach <laughs> <laughs> like, which which that's what I thought at first and then I realized like oh that's like most that's most coaches it's like most coaches and even like a lot of people in the NFL and everything like they suck at this sort of like talent evaluation and being able to project because yeah you have to take all these factors into account so all I'm saying is like no hate on Tony Ferguson I want I want him to do well, and I'm not I'm not always correct on these things. It's not like I was accurate a hundred percent of the time, but uh, you know when I look at it, like it seemed like he was the odd man out in that um, in that trio. To be determined. There are plenty of good fights coming up. Hopefully, that'd be great if he if he gets back to fighting one of those two guys. Yeah. Um, long long live Tony Ferguson. C- hashtag CSO hashtag Champ shit only. Viva Tony Ferguson. V- yeah, El Cucuy. There you go. Viva El Cucuy. Do you hear that? That's that's your your dog was saying Viva El Cucuy as well. I think he's saying Yo Quiero Taco Bell. That that is your dog, right? Yes. My sister has a way to ah, fucking. He's so spoiled with her. He sees her and he starts whimpering, and it's the only person in the face of the planet that he'll do this to. Moving on, fucking dog. Yeah. Uh, do next card. Uh, we want to talk about this week's weekend's coming card. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, briefly, brief, briefly. It's funny. We always say that, and then I go on tangents. I'm gonna just. Uh, if you guys hear like a loud smack, you're like, "What the fuck was that?" That's just just me like smacking my should own I, face. Should I, I cut you off and just start yell to... Excelsior if it's going on too long? Is that what we're gonna do? No, don't don't pervert. That's not what Excelsior okay, is for. Don't abuse another Excelsior. Another safe word. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll I'll be disciplined. Okay, I can do it. Do we want to start from the the 
we're gonna do talk. We're gonna talk about briefly about the main card just coming up. Uh, UFC Fight Night: Brunson versus Shabazian. There's five fights in yeah. that main card. Do we want to start with the the main and go down, or do we want to start with the, the 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 earlier ones and then move our way up to the main? Let's start out with the main one. Okay. Main fight: Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian. Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian. So I think I don't know. You said so earlier. I don't know if it was in this podcast or during the little pre little huddle. We talked about Shabazzi and how you don't know a whole ton about him. Prior to this podcast, I mean, right before we started recording, I watched uh, his last fight, and then I. But I and I also knew though that he was he was trained by Edmund Traverdian, <laughs> who was Ronda Rousey's coach, uh, infamously, and. I I just had a, a hard time wrapping my, my head around how somebody trained by Edmund Traverdian could be good because everyone he's worked with, he's managed to make significantly worse. And then I've also like heard him speak at length on podcasts. And I'm like, what what is wrong with yeah. you? Like I felt like I was dealing with like a used car sale. Yeah. That's basically the way I could put it. Shabazian's what, ten and no, I think, undefe- or nine and no, ten and no, undefeated guy. He's, um, I think he's got four fights in the UFC. If you don't take into a f- into consideration his uh, contender series fights, um, and of those four fights, uh, a couple of those have been finishes. Two or three of them have been finishes. It was a, his first fight was a split decision. Then he had a, a, TK, a TKO, a rear naked choke, and a head kick KO. And the most recent of those wins was against uh, Brad Tavares, who is for sure, I think, uh, like a gatekeeper type of guy in 85. I, I think. I, I don't want to disparage the guy. He's a good fighter. I, I like him. But I think he's a gatekeeper type of guy. And Shabazian, uh, I wouldn't say mopped the floor with him, but he did finish him in the first round. Correct. Um I could tell that in that fight, um, Tavares was. It's. It looked like Tavares was a little hesitant, and uh, so was Shabazian. Uh, again, for Shabazian, is a big step up in competition to fight. You know, to fight this guy. Um, mm-hmm. It looked like they were both a little gun shy, but then, but once he started pulling the trigger, Shabazian uh, tagged him a few times. Um, Shabazian, Shabazian also has some very good grappling acumen, which is. Where you talk about like how he trained with uh, Ronda Rousey and and Edmund Traverdian, whatever his last name is. Um, so he's got the judo grappling stuff. In fact, he used to be Ronda Rousey's like uh, sparring dummy. There's a video floating out out there where where Shabazian's being like, he's like 15 years old or 14 years old. He's being dumped all over the place on his head by Ronda Rousey. I'm like, good, good. He's like a 15 year old kid, of course. We're- uh, again, that's like confusing to me because judo, you know, just earlier I was talking about how different styles of wrestling don't really translate to MMA. And honestly, like judo as in it, martial art just does not really train the, the parts. Okay. The parts of judo that do translate to MMA are just wrestling. Right. Like judo, judo as a martial art is not a great fit. And, and just, just a, a good example, like name, like anybody, well, I was gonna say, name it anyone who's like a judo heavy grappler that's actually successful, right? Um, judo grappler that was successful. Ronda Rousey is the only one. Oh, and then you know what? Um, yeah. You know what? I'm sorry. Uh, 
for a long time, and again, the talent is different. Caro Parisian, exactly. Caro the Heat Parisian, Parisian yeah. back in the like the nine, early nineties, late nineties of uh, UFC. Sure, well, and that's but and that's the same thing though with Rousey, right? Like the 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 talent level, um, I mean, wasn't right. quite there. And when you and it's like you you see what happens when she ran into someone who could actually strike and had decent grappling. Uh, defense who wasn't going to let her she just was a one trick she was throw. a one she was good but she was a one trick pony that no 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 bantamweight woman can figure out i mean how many fucking armbar finishes did she have it was a like judo toss to an armbar finish judo toss to armbar and it was the same thing over and over again she had the personality which made her a star and obviously she's mm-hmm. a semi attractive i say semi cuz i don't i don't think she's hot she's uh, she's a 7 or an 8 She's not a ten. Okay. Do you think she's a ten? I mean, I, I'm not. Never really tried to place her on a, a numerical scale right. in terms of hotness. Like, like, she, R- R- Ronda Rousey. That that that's a, a subjective acquired taste. Okay. And she definitely. <laughs> let me put it this way. Um, she definitely was someone that could clean up a lot better uh, than when she was just like at, in a fight and. The, the the funny the funniest part that I remember when I this is from people in Instagram comments who were trying to like talk about whether she's hot they're like, they'd be like basically what you said well, I don't like I don't know if Ronda Rousey's that that good looking and then people would be like well Ronda Rousey's not that good looking but weight cut Ronda is super hot <laughs> and it's like it's like Jesus Christ like that's horrible it it, it it is it's like oh so someone who's like starved themselves down and is like unhealthy. Uh, and probably mentally unstable because of it. That that is what is attractive for you. Oh well, all right. It sucks that we were talking about the the main event and we somehow tangented tangented is that a word into Shabazian and Ra- anyway. Shab- I didn't do it. <laughs> we it wasn't me. Did it? We were talking about Taverdian and how Rousey trains with Rousey. Blah blah blah. Anyway, Shabazian trains with Rousey, but was a, was was a Rousey ragdoll for the most part in the judo game. Um, he's undefeated. Um, I was looking at the odds, and okay, let, let's talk about Brunson before we talk about the odds. Let, let let me let me you know what I can say everything I need to say about this whole fight in in um probably about two sentences. Like it, it's great that he's looked good so far, um, but Traverdian he hasn't gone not Traverdian uh, Shabazian hasn't gone against anyone who's incredibly dangerous. So if, if you described Tavares as a gatekeeper, like, have you ever seen a rodeo? You know, there's like the gate where like they, there's the first gate where like they put the bull in the little pen and then there's the second gate where they open it and the bull goat like charges into the right. arena. Like Tavares would have been that first gate and Brunson is that yes, second gate. Yes. So, so, so there's a lot, there's a lot more danger in that second gate. And you know, if he gets past Brunson, he's, he's just, legit. so I, I don't know. So I, I, I'm not going to say if, okay, uh, this is hashtag bold prediction of mine. Brunson's only lost to fucking either champions or former champions. He's only got like four or five losses in the UFC and they've been all to championship, mm-hmm. like champion quality guys. Brunson's also stopped guys. Um, couple decisions and stuff like that he brunson's just been he's a vet he's a he's a he's he's a caged vet in the ufc so he's not fighting um no name dudes anymore he's always fighting like big name top tier guys um well here just just to break just to break it down for you his his losses were 
uh, Adesanya, Jacare, Anderson, Anderson Silva, Robert champion. Whitaker, Yoel Romero, and then somehow way back in 2012 he lost to Kendall Grove. Okay, so that was when he was up and coming raw and Kendall Grove. Anyway, so yeah, he's only lost to fucking like top yes. elite dudes <laughs> minus Kendall Grove. <laughs> Jacare, Whitaker, Romero, Anderson Silva, Adesanya, like. That that's he extremely so, impressive, and he's mopped the floor with people. Any anyone below that level, except for Elias Theodoro, who does, doesn't count. Like that, he's an outlier. Like no none, no normal lo- rules or logic applied to Elias Theodoro. Everyone else, he's just fucked so, up. Um, yeah. So Brunson's the underdog in this, and I I I don't know what Vegas or the odds makers know that we don't know. Is Brunson like it? I, to me, it's got to be something like really crazy. Like Brunson's like ho- hiding an injury that they know about that we don't know. I just think, I think Shabazz, I think the UFC rush is rush. It's doing Shabazian a disservice. I think Shabazian should be fighting one or two more guys before fighting somebody big name like Brunson. Granted, Shabazian's undefeated. But talk about leapfrog, like you said. Uh, uh, Tavares is the first gate. Brunson is. You're you're in the rodeo, bud. Like I, I don't care if you got finishes. I don't care. You know I don't. Like, and it, it wasn't like his finishes were like one punch knockout finishes. They were like more like TKO or like, you know, you set up a because he's got some good grappling. So you set up a good shot with some grappling, um, um feints or what have you, and tags a guy. He's got pretty decent boxing. And I say pretty decent because he does come from the Traverdian camp. You say the last name better than I do, but I say decent, but it's just not. I, I think it's. I think. I think it's honestly. I think it's better than decent. I was really impressed. I mean, again, I I, I had a four minute long yeah. match against uh, Traveris that I was. That's the only time I've ever seen him, but his his footwork was excellent. And when I say, I think a lot of UFC fans get confused about footwork because they think good footwork is like tons of movement and like in and out really fast. And, you know, they, they think about like a guy like Frankie Edgar is having great footwork. I'd say Frankie Edgar's footwork is decent, but he has like a lot of wasted movement. Whereas um, the, what I noticed about Shabazian was he was, his footwork was, was minimal. He wasn't bouncing around. It wasn't a ton, but he was like maintaining the exact distance that he wanted. He was, he was setting up different angles for him to strike and he he was doing a minimal amount of movement for maximum amount of return, and he always had his feet under him where he could get off if he needed to. So I, I was impressed. I was impressed. I was yeah, impressed. No, don't with what take I saw. anything I said about Shabazian as a negative thing. It's not. I think. I think he is really good for his um, short experience in UFC and, and MMA. Um, I say UFC because he's only got like four fights in the UFC. In MMA, he's only like eight, nine, ten, and zero. Um, I just think he's just, I just think they're throwing him into the the deepest end of the fucking pool at 185. Um, but I think that, I think maybe the UFC's outlook on it is like, let's, let's see if we can make a star of this kid. And I don't know that they're, I think, I think they're doing him again. I'm going to repeat it again. I think they're doing him a disservice. I think he should fight one or two more times at 85 before fighting like a top five guy like Brunson. Uh, and it, it, unless we're proven wrong, because I, I, I've, Brunson's a big, so I check in odds makers, Brunson's a big uh, underdog 
Shabazzian was like minus three or minus 400, somewhere thereabouts. And I think that's pretty big to make a very green raw, even though he's undefeated, um, guy um, that big of a favorite. Um, so hashtag bull prediction, I think yeah. Brunson's going to win. I'm putting money on that. Well, and, that, and that's the thing. If, if you remember when I was talking about uh, Hermanson and I said like he wasn't like a, like a plus level athlete, I'm like, obviously he's a good level. He's a good athlete. Um you know, I think I think somebody like uh, Brad Traveris would be in that same category. Where like, if, you know, if if you if you saw Traveris like just working out in a gym among like normal people, you'd be like, holy shit! Like that, you know, that that guy is like huge. He looks, you know, he would look like a great athlete. But in the context of the UFC, um, he he's not elite. Brunson he is. is. Brunson's athletic ability, I mean, is. He might be the best athlete in the entire and when division. Brunson, I, I, I was watching Brunson's like last, you know, three, four, five fights. When Brunson, he's a fucking shark. When the guy smells blood, he's gonna fucking go for mm-hmm. you. He's he just he's a well, fucking crazy. I don't say he throws himself at you, but he just knows. Okay, I got this guy in danger. I'm gonna finish him. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this guy now. Well, well, I'd say that's, that's what's gotten him in trouble before, though. He's been kind of reckless. Like he, he, Brunson was a guy that to me. Would be would, would often be super aggressive, but like it looked like it looked like it was because he was uncomfortable, like he was insecure. Gotcha. Like so, there's a lot. There's usually like two ways when fighters are nervous when they're a little. I don't want to say scared, but like there's there's that Adesanya. You you either yeah you either have guys who are very tentative and and they don't really want to engage. They want to be very cautious, or they go like super aggressive because there's like there's just that anxious like fuck. I want to get it over. Ah, God, if I just one land that one punch, then I don't have to worry about this fucking shit anymore. Like like I won't have this anxiety. Yeah. And to me, for me, for watching Brunson, it looked like he was the latter of those two. He was just like, you know, he knew like I'm this incredible athlete. God, if I just fucking rush in, I could just get this over with and I could win, and I don't I don't have to worry about that shit. And that has plagued him through his career where, where he's had some uneven losses. The the only time I saw him really, really timid and I was like, what the fuck? This is not the real, this is not the Brunson I know. Yeah, it was Silva. was huh? against Israel, no, Israel Adesanya. Oh, and, and Anderson too. He was also very, very oh, was conservative. He? I, I, yeah. I forget that fight. But yeah, he was like very, he was gun shy. He did not, it didn't look like the same fighter. It was like two different people. So, um, I don't but, think Shabazian has that kind of, uh, well, but that he, kind he, of he, he, aura the, he, around him. He, here's the last part, though. Um, for for with Brunson, I've it's always been like one or the other, where it's it, and it's usually been super aggressive. He, with Ian Heinish, like I thought he found like the perfect, the perfect level. He was it, that was the smartest fight I've ever seen Brunson fight. He wasn't super aggressive, but he just like systematically took Ian Heinish apart. Uh, and I, I, you know, I was, I was hoping for, I mean, I, Heinish is a guy that I, I briefly had trained with and I was like, fuck, I want to see it's how funny he does. You say that because in my notes I wrote down, Brunson beat both of Aaron's buddies, Ian Heinish and Elias Teodoro. <laughs> I wrote that down as part of my notes for the, uh, for the podcast. So, so, I mean, and that's the thing, he's, he's an elite level athlete and it's like anything that is a shortcoming in, uh, in Shabazzian's game, I think she's going to get exposed. So it's like, all right, like this is this is sink or, sink or swim. So anyhow, next fight, sure. Joanne Calderwood against Jennifer Maya. JoJo Calderwood was scheduled to fight Valentina Shevchenko for the 125 belt. I'm sorry, who who's she? Who, who is she scheduled to fight? 
Valentina Shevchenko. Oh, you got it. That dang it. <laughs> what did I say the first time? There is some extra, some extra ease yeah, and, and, yeah. and consonants in there. I, I don't. This is uh, admittedly, Aaron. I don't usually partake in the boozing before or during the podcast, but it's hotter than shit in this room. So I poured myself some Jim Beam honey and uh, Sprite. So I'm, I'm a little. I'm, I'm not even a couple glasses in. I'm like one glass in. But anyway. Muttering and stumbling over my own words aside, Shevchenko and Jojo were matched up to fight for the championship belt at 125. Yeah. Uh, Shevchenko got hurt. She she fucked up her leg of some sort, and so she's she's been inactive. Jojo's gone, I think, 11 or 10 or 12 months without a fight. Yeah. She was tired of waiting, took on Jennifer Maya, this short-notice fight. When I say short notice, I want to say three weeks, two weeks notice fight, something thereabouts. Um, let me let me say this really quick. Okay. Going back to my nerdy geekdomness trading card hobby. Uh-huh. Okay. Joanne Calderwood is uh, my favorite former strawweight, current um, uh, flyweight woman fighter. Okay. There's no bigger fan of hers um, on this planet. But poor girl's only three and three in her last six fights. Mm. Four of those fights went to decision. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, she's, she's putting way too much on the line fighting Jennifer Maya. Um, She's basically sacrificing her title shot. She loses. She loses it all. She goes way to the bottom of the of the of the totem pole. Like she goes to like gatekeeper, lower ten, maybe fifteen fighters. In my opinion, if she loses, if she wins, great. She maybe gets a title shot against Shevchenko when she comes back. Your thoughts? The the gap between her and Shevchenko is so large that honestly, just take another fight. It's fine. The it, it's but just the gap it's, between it's just not even but close. the gap between I, you're right I agree but the gap between Shevchenko and almost every other 125er is pretty big would you cor- say correct but in, but here's 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 the thing the way the contracts are structured she's not making extra money to fight Shevchenko like, right like she's, she's making the same money she's not getting paper if it was like okay go get your your ass beat by Shevchenko and you know get a share in the pay per view buys or something like. Oh, that might be a different story, but she's ma- she's gonna make the same amount to fight Jennifer Maya as she would to fight Shevchenko. So if I go fight a winnable fight. <laughs> like that's that's I think it makes sense. I, okay, so so Chukagian and JoJo fought. Chukagian lost to Shevchenko, completely do- got her ass dominated. Yes, the fight with Chukagian JoJo was very very close. I obviously bias. I thought JoJo won that fight, but the cards, the judges yeah, say that sure. that, that Chukagin won that fight. I think JoJo um, Shevchenko has better potential for JoJo in her favor than Chukagin Shevchenko. It, it doesn't really, though. Okay, it, I appreciate your opinion. <laughs> Again, I have biases. I'm 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 fully admitting okay. admitting. That's not even a word. Uh-huh. Fully admitting, admitting, fuck. Fully admitting that JoJo, I have a bias for. I think the matchup with JoJo uh-huh. uh, Shevchenko is going to be a better one than than Chukagin. 
Um, Why? Was I think JoJo can take a shot. She, <laughs> I think JoJo can take a shot, and I like her Muay Thai kickboxing style better than Chukagin's point style st- uh, fighting style. Okay. Chukagin only wins by points. So she doesn't so finish chicks. How how does any of that translate to Joan Calderwood winning the fight against Shevchenko? Yes, I don't know that it translates to her winning. I just think it's a better matchup. I think she has a better chance of possibly beating her than than Shukagin. Right, but I'm saying like, how feasibly could she win? A decision, but just by more damage. So, so you by think by doing more damage, putting putting pressure and and, and you, getting Shevchenko in more trouble so, than than Shukagin would have. So you th- you think that she's going to pressure Shevchenko and outstrike her? I think if she can pressure Shevchenko and put her in some compromising situations. Maybe a couple Muay Thai clinches. And Shevchenko drinks yes. that entire bottle of your Jim Bean. And she's she's got <laughs> coronavirus at the time and like All right, asshole. Then like she still probably loses. I'm I don't there's just Okay. I, I, so we, we agree to disagree <laughs> on okay. who the again, I, I've already admitted that I'm a JoJo fanboy. I like her. Um I think she's got a better chance than Chukagian of putting a better fight together to potentially beat Shevchenko. But we both agree earlier, a little bit earlier, that the gap between Shevchenko and everybody else at 125 is a huge margin. It's it's not, it's like it's like if someone's going to throw a hail mary, it's going to be JoJo. Is is what I'm saying, I guess. Okay. But JoJo hasn't fought 10, 11, 12 months. Says I'm going to take this short notice fight against Jennifer Maya. I think she's risking too much. She probably needs the money. Who knows? Well, I don't know her motivations. And, and you're right. I mean, JoJo does have that big one-shot KO power, right? She's knocked how many how many people out? Val- Valentina Letourneau. She fucking did that spinning back butt punch butt thing that finished her. That yeah. The fight. I believe that was a TKO, and it, it was a body kick, and then she had to follow up with a whole bunch of punches, and Letourneau No, just- she did like a spinning back punch thing that like hit her, and yeah. Anyway, she got a TKO. Uh huh. So so okay. So we're TK. She's gonna TKO. You're still talking about Shevchenko Jojo. I'm talking about Jojo Maya here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, let, let's let's move on. I I, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I think I think I think I get distracted somewhere in the the. Yes, uh, you're still the, you're still hung up on Jojo. We're gonna have an interesting conversation if if Jojo can okay. somehow keep this win. It's it's all hers to lose. If somehow can still win. And beat Jennifer Maya, who's a decisionator. Uh, all her wins have been dis- by decision in the UFC. Um, has beat Roxanne Modafferi twice. Uh, Roxanne Modafferi trains with Joanne Calderwood. So if if JoJo has a better of Roxy in the gym and 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 is just a better all around fighter than Roxy in the gym, um, yeah, JoJo's it's against JoJo's fight to lose against Jennifer Maya. Sure, I don't think it's going to be decision fight. I I, uh, uh, I don't think it's going to be a um, fantastic fight to watch. I, I think it's going to be a decision and or JoJo like late round TKO stoppage, but um, who knows? Yeah. I just think JoJo's sacrificing too much to, to you know, take on this short notice fight. That's fine. Get paid, have a winnable fight. Like, I, I just hope that she, she fights well and like feels good about herself because she was someone that seemed to like... There, there's some people who really compartmentalize um, you know, certain fighters, it seems like whatever's going on in their personal life, they can completely separate it oh. from fighting or if they have a bad night, 
you know, in the octagon, it's like, well, I still have a great family, like whatever. They just sort of leave that in the octagon. And for her, those things seem to be linked. Like, her, yes, if her, she, if things weren't going well in her personal life, then she'd be terrible, you know, at, you know, in the fight. And if, if the fight went bad, then it would affect her personal life. And it's like, it's like, yeah, man, it seems like her personal stuff is on the up and up. She's, uh, she's dating, uh, engaged to her, her coach. Um, Syndicate MMA, yeah, and that's, John Wood. That never that situation like always works out well. I think like I don't think there's ever been a mm. a fighter dating a coach where it went poorly. So, well, I, so here, okay, now you're gonna get me talking about this because again, I'm I'm a JoJo fanboy. JoJo used to date one of her coaches when she was back in Scotland with the uh, Donkey Ninja Fight Club team or whatever the fuck they were called. She was it was she was dating her wrestling coach back then. They broke up. And again, her personal life went to shit. Her performance in the UFC wasn't the greatest. So when right around when Tough 20 wrapped up, she wasn't performing her best. And anyone that was reading between the lines saw that she wasn't performing her best because she had all this personal shit with her ex-coach slash boyfriend. That, that was part of it. Going on. The, the other part of it, too, was, was that she was a, a very big straw weight. And I, it had a big brutal making that cut over and over again. Like there, there's people who just really can't do tough. Like you almost have to, f you, you almost have to fight like a weight class above what, what you're really at for tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think she could, I think she could have still competed at 115, but she feels happier and healthier at 125. So more power to her. Who the fuck am I to say? Uh, plus it's just a better division for her. I mean, there you could, she's, she's like a top, you know, a top three, one twenty five or and I mean, she would be maybe in the top ten in one fifteen. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think more about that, but maybe you're right. Yeah, let's move on to a different fight. Yeah, uh, Vicente Luque, Randy Brown. I didn't put a whole lot of th thought into that fight. Did you? Uh, no, not so much. I, I, I just, um, I like Luque a lot. I think he's got, um. He's got more finishes and and stoppages and and uh, he's he's uh, he's the next guy I want to see at that weight class get a title shot eventually. He's got to he's got to earn it. They'll just give it to him, right? Um, but Randy Brown, I don't I don't think I don't I don't see how Randy Brown can win that fight unless it's some shitty judge decision. I, I that's the only way I see Randy Brown winning. Nah, he just has to um, take. He has to, he has to get some takedowns. I mean, um, Luke. Luke tends to beat anyone who's mid tier. Luke's beaten, and then when he's gone against top tier guys, he's lost. That's that's kind of the 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 mo so far. Um, and, and yeah, in a pure striking match, I don't I don't really see Randy Brown winning either. So yeah, he has to make it a something other than a pure striking match. All right, I don't have a lot to talk about that fight. Like I said, I didn't do a whole lot of. In I just thought it was a clear cut for me. Uh, clear cut, Luke. Win, win that fight against Brown. Um, then the fourth or the second fight in the prelims for the main or whatever. Second fight, the main card. Lando Venata against Bobby King Green. A AKA unathletic Conor McGregor. Uh, which one's unathletic Conor McGregor? Uh, Lando Venata. Plus, he's also right handed. So I guess I don't, he, like the way Venata fights is similar actually like stylistically he's kind of similar 
to Connor, but he doesn't have an absurdly long reach or like one shot knockout power or like the, any of the things that actually make Connor McGregor's game completely functional. So right. like I think he's still living off of that one fight where he you know he fought Tony Ferguson on super short yeah. notice and I was like bring that up. had him in a bunch of trouble and everyone that's every time he fights people bring that up and it's like yeah yeah he's, it was he's, an exciting fight but it was yeah. a short notice fight for both those guys but Venata's okay Venata's record since joining the UFC is three wins four losses two draws only one of those wins is the finish so I don't his his method of victory. It's like it's like either yeah he just gets finished or or or, or decisions or draws. Um, he had like you said he had that one deciding fight with Fer- Ferguson, but outside of that, well, and he still lost. That was, that was the thing. It was right. like, yeah, it was like he is kind of a, a unorthodox striking, and he caught Ferguson by surprise. And Fer- Ferguson all, always gets hit in the first round, so it's like not a shocker that he he hit him in the first round. And then Ferguson was like, oh, like don't do that again. I choke you out yeah. now. Um, and then, uh, but Bobby Bobby Green Bobby Green's record isn't like it's it's just barely more impressive than uh, Venata's. Well, and he, he also already fought Bobby Green. Uh, that was that was he fought he fought Bobby Green in, in 2017, and it was a draw. So like, I the, this this fight is is on papers is not the most interesting um, yeah. to me. To if anything, it it is just it speaks to the the further. Um, downfall of Jackson Wink MMA, but I, we don't need to get into that. We don't. So do you think um, for for both these guys, do you think for either of these guys it's win or go home? Because Bobby, Bobby King Green is 6-5-1 six, six, in the UFC. Only two of his wins have been of finishes. He's a very good – Bobby Green's a very good um, like defensive uh, counter-striker type boxer, stand-up mostly, stand-up guy. I like him because he's a local. I think he's from like he's somewhere in San Bernardino or Fontana or Rancho Cucamonga, somewhere in that neighborhood. I, I forget exactly where he's from. So I I I favor Bobby Green in that fight. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they went to a draw, I don't know, man. Then one of them one if, of them they, has if to they dra- if they draw had a second draw. That yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, Do you think that's going to happen? It's possible, right? I I don't know. I mean. <laughs> Because that's what I'm saying. It's like Leto Vandana doesn't really have a functional game. Like when I say functional, there it's like how is your game assembled? It's like okay, well, the, it's it's you know this part of my footwork gets me into this part of my striking, and this part of my striking gets me to to land you know high volume so I can win by decision, or it, I you know I can I can land the knockout punch. So I can, it's like there should be like an A to B to C connection of the different parts of your game that result in this is how I win a fight. And like, I don't, I don't really know what that is for Lando Venata. He's like a flow fighter. Yeah. But he doesn't have a real high output, so he's not going to like win by decision. Clearly he doesn't really have knockout power. Um, so it's not like a clear, like it's not like he's clearly working towards KOs. Um, his grappling doesn't really play it up. Uh, uh, you know, a, a big role in, in his game. So it's like, yeah, he's always going to be in these sort of weird fights where it's unclear uh, who won until the judges actually put their decision so, in. So then, so then, so then, our, I guess a, a good a good prediction would be it's going to go to decision for yeah. this fight. 
Probably. And it's going to be a split 29-28. If, if one guy does manage to win, it's going to be a split decision 29-28. Yeah. I think I don't really and care. Or, I, th- and I think, or I think that's draw. what I'm realizing the more we talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I yeah. do not care. I, I really yeah. don't. I, I still want to watch it. Again, I'm going to root for the hometown, hometown guy, Bobby King Green. Uh, I got a picture with him somewhere, somehow. I forget. Oh, I was living in Bakersfield. Different story, different day. Um, okay. First, first fight of the main card. Kevin Holland against Trevin Giles. Um, Kevin Holland, four and two in the UFC with one KO, one submission win of those four wins. Trevin Giles, Giles, three and two in the UFC. Both of his losses were to a submission. Sure, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't. I've never seen uh, Trevin fight. Um, all I know is that Kevin Holland is just hilarious. Like, <laughs> I. Yeah. My my enduring image of Kevin Holland is is him him on bottom, a very angry looking Tiago Santos trying to just pound his face into the canvas, and Kevin Holland looking over to his corner as this all is happening. Being, can you believe this? This is crazy. Look at this guy. Why is he so angry? <laughs> like like having a having a running conversation with his cornerman as. Like uh, it just just a, a half-starved, furious Tiago Santos is trying to crack his skull, and I'm like, Kevin Holland is just pure entertainment. I don't I don't know if he's ever gonna be like a great fighter, but this guy's hilarious. I I, I will say this: just like the previous fight with Venata Bobby Green, this matchup, <clears throat> um, this one's actually more to me. This one's a more interesting matchup than Venata Green, although I still want. I still want to watch the whole the whole main of the whole card. I think this matchup is a little more interesting to me than the than the than the Venata Green fight. Yeah, because Kevin um, Holland's in it. Yeah, well, not just because of the personality thing, but I just think Kevin Holland just because of think, the personality thing. I th- oh god damn you! <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Trevin Giles has fewer tools in his arsenal, and hey, far be it from me for, for saying this. I'm not an MMA fighter. Um, <laughs> I just think uh, Holland has more ways to win than Trevin Giles does. I think he's got a few more weapons. I think Kevin Holland has a few more weapons, and uh, that's who I got to pick for that fight. Okay. But but I haven't looked at the prelims, so maybe there's some prelims that are sleepers. Again, I watch whenever I watch fights, I watch them all. I watch from the early early prelims to the like whatever ESPN Plus prelims to the main card, the main fight. Of course, it's a fight night, so I think the entire thing is on on ESPN or ESPN Plus, one or the other. I'll be watching the entire thing, probably drinking and or grilling. By the way, last week, I know we didn't talk about this in our outline, but dude, I made like 30 pounds of different meat products I grilled and or smoked last on Saturday. I thought it was a, a stupid me. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be behind the grill for a couple hours. It should be fun. I'm making food for my family. Dude, <laughs> again, stupid me. I was. Everything came out great. I made some fucking amazing adobo pork ribs that were like they came off the grill and people were like, "Let me have one. Let me let me see what they taste like." And everyone that had one was like wiping their or licking their fingers and like, "Dude, this is fucking good." So I'll make those again. Uh. And then we made some spare ribs that came out that I, I convinced my nephew that the spare ribs were like a combination or a, a cross between bacon and uh, steak. 
And uh, he's like, at the end of the, he was eating them all day. At the end of the night, he's like, Mom, can I take some more of that bacon home? <laughs> uh, he enjoyed that. Made some, some uh, pollo asada and some carne asada. That, that's that's steak in Spanish. Meat. Steak yes. meat. I got it. S- steak meat. <laughs> uh, um, people, uh, when we had the Lancer house, we had uh, on Olive Street, we had a, a graduation party for Christian Bollocker. And uh, I was living at the house at the time. You were living at the house at the time. I think Law Dog was living at the house. We had a party for him in the backyard. Okay. And um, I knew Bollocker's parents were coming back in to town and all this. It was a big hubbub. Let's have a graduation party for Bollocker, for all the guys. And I went and bought like 50 pounds of carne asada. So, so just to be clear for anyone who is not familiar with Whittier College and, and uh, that social group, that this is not like a cruel nickname. Like that, his last name was was Bollocker. That that's that's just his Christian Christian, Christian Frederick, Frederick Bollocker is his full name. His last name is Bollocker. It was just funny that we called him Bollocker. We didn't call him Christian. We didn't call him Frederick. We just called him Bollocker. It was just it was like a. And it wasn't, it's it's not actually, it's not like ball liquor, it's like ball lacquer, but yes. when you say it fast, it's it's bollocker. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we love the guy, and I love calling him bollocker, I, I don't, I very rarely call him Christian. Yeah, just just to be clear, we're not, we're not giving, uh, perpetuating a cruel nickname, I, I'm like, that's just the guy's name. <laughs> I wouldn't do it justice, for sure, but he tells this joke about how his sister's name, middle name is Penix. Okay. I don't know if that's true or not. Yes. And I'm I not going to tell is. the joke. So but so you were grilling 30 pounds of meat for your family, and then Christian Bollocker was having a, a party. No, no, two two different things. This weekend was just me fucking No, I, I understand. Grilling. I understand. I was, just, I was just recapping real quick. So I love grilling. I've got a pit, pit boss smoker. I, I would say, I, for me, I think I'm advanced level at making steaks. I'm not saying I'm novice. I think I'm advanced. Um, smoking stuff, I'm st- I'm still learning, still trial and error. But I make a lot of good. The the ribs are adobo. Smoke ribs are delicious. Are you saying you're like a brown belt in grilling? Yes, or at least white belt with like three or four stripes. Okay, so that would still be a novice. Okay, no, then I'm a brown belt. Like it, it goes white, blue, brown. No, no. Oh, white, white. Blue, purple, brown, black. Oh, no, no, no. No. So at grilling in general, I'm probably still a blue. You're a blue belt. But oh, I thought you, you said just, you were advanced. No, listen. False on advertising. Steak, on steaks, on steaks. You're fake news, I'm, I'm, a blue, I'm a brown belt on steaks. On grilling in general, grilling and smoking in general, I'm a, a, a brown. I, this analogy was, uh, was too confusing. Continue. Yeah, Continue for me, with your story. for me. No, so that was it. That was I just made a shit. When I have when we have a fight over on the weekend, and there happens to be family coming over to watch the fights, I like to grill, I like to smoke, I like to entertain, and I made shitload more uh, food meats products than I thought I was going to. I made some chorizos on the grill. Jesus Christ! Anyone that came over left like a like a fat cat with meat sweats and plates of food to take home. Uh, I had a good time. I. Drank a lot of, a lot of beers. It was fun. That's good. Good time. 
Sorry. Okay. I don't even know why we went to this tangent, but. Uh, you started talking about meat. I was waiting. I'm like, there will be an amazing payoff at the end of the story. I have, I have faith in Mondo and it's, it's going to come like podcast listeners. You may have to tune into another episode, but just, just have faith that, that amazing payoff to that story. It's going to happen. I'm a Wait. blue belt. I'm a blue belt in stakes. Okay. So here, here's the thing. I, I don't think anyone can claim they're a, a black belt in gr- uh, grilling until they've been to Georgia and had barbecue in Georgia. Have you have you ever been? No, I've not been to Georgia. Uh, I've gone to Texas and um, I went to like one barbecue joint out there, and it was pretty. It's good. not it's as okay. it's not as good. I've, yeah. I've had I've had barbecue in both the Carolinas, in Georgia, in Tennessee, in Texas, and Georgia for for me is like head and shoulders better. Um, and and the, the like the the one time I mean the time and this is this is partly because of the context what was happening was uh there there was this there was um this big lacrosse tournament that we were supposed to just be like recruiting like our friends were running this big tournament it was like two two thousand kids or something participating um and we were supposed to we were supposed to just be recruiting I was still an assistant at this point and. Like the head coach was was recruiting, and he's like, "Oh, go 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 talk to to Miss Linda." That was like the um, the the club organizer. So sort of the setup was the our friends who are D one head coaches also owned like a club team, and that was like actually where they made most of their money. They made like twenty percent of their income from their the coaching, the, the coaching salary, and like eighty percent from running these tournaments and club teams. And Linda was was the the club like organizer. She was like the general manager of the club. And and yeah, so they're like, go help out Miss Linda. She's she's she she's worried. And um, so so this was like a little bit south of Atlanta. I want to call it was say it was called Peach Peach Tree City. That's about as Georgia as you can freaking get. And it's like a hundred and fifteen degrees. I'm, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but I do remember when I was helping them. I like I started to like get dizzy, and I was like, oh. I have dark brown <laughs> hair. My head is cooking. I need to like dump water in my head so my freaking brain doesn't fry. And I go and I, and I go to Linda and I'm like, what's what's going on? Miss you need Linda, help, Miss Linda. Miss Linda. Linda. Yeah, that's what they called her, Miss Linda. Anytime and, and you, I'm sorry, but anytime you have a, a woman referred to by Miss 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 Linda, it's got to be good. She's got to she's got to have like, I don't know. My visual is like quadruple no. D's. Hangers, no, uh, no, she's just, she's just a middle-aged white white woman from Florida, but they called her okay. Miss Linda. Um, right. She's very nice, but she was freaking the fuck out because like they were like three quarters of the way through this tournament, and she's and it was like they were running late, like it had gone the tournament had gone later than they thought, and she's like, I can't, I don't know what to do. Like we still have to clean all this stuff up, and like this truck needs to get loaded, and this has to happen, and I'm mean, not gonna get out of here until eight at night, and then I have to drive all the way back to Florida, and, I gotta, and she's like, she's like borderline hyperventilating. I'm like this freaking lady is going to drop dead of a heart attack in Peachtree City, Georgia. Like I can't I can't have this death on my hands. And I just I just go like like it's okay. It's okay, Miss Linda. Like just just explain to me like everything that has to happen. She goes, "Okay, well this has to happen and this has to happen and the truck needs to get loaded and the goals need to go here and you know the there's like it's like way more than you think like just logistically of what's going to happen with the tournament. And when when she kind of like walks me all through it like step by step, I'm like, "Okay, like I've got it." And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just, I have the whole breakdown. And she's like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to take care of every aspect of it. You just need to sit there. 
I will, I will do it. And you're going to be out of here by five o'clock. And she's like, what? I'm like, no, like I figured it out. Like I can do it. And I did, I did 80% of the whole breakdown myself because they had, they had college kids that were supposed to be helping them, but they're freaking dumbass college kids who were like, they're yeah. like staring at like butterflies, like on the side of the field, like God doing God knows what. I mean, so, so just, just for like two hours. And I mean, it, it pro- might've literally been a hundred degrees. I was just nonstop walking, carrying tables, carrying goals. Like I, I made a whole schedule. Okay. When this game ends, I have to be here. When this game ends, I have to be here. I got to carry this stuff. I have to carry that stuff. Um, and it, it, I'm paraphrasing, but the, the, the head D one coach, you know, looked at the, the coach that I, you know, that I, I was working with and goes, Oh, so this is why he gets away with all the dumbass stuff he does is because he'll turn around and do something like this. And he was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, like I break down this entire tournament. I mean, I think it was like, what was it? 14 fields, 14 fields, goals, benches, cones, flags, the whole bit by myself in two hours. And then they take us out to, to barbecue. I wish I could remember the name of the rest, the restaurant, but I just remember like just being so dehydrated, just getting like sweet tea and the the best thing in the whole thing. I mean, there was ribs, there was all the stuff you're mentioning, but they they grilled brisket that Ooh. was just like it was just so tender. It felt like like there was like a cloud. Like like you, you like you see like a nice fluffy cloud. If you could just uh-huh. imagine that that you like snatched a cloud down from the sky and put it in your mouth, and you're like, "Holy shit, this cloud is made out of meat." <laughs> that's that's what that brisket tasted like. And then yeah. and and like I eat all this stuff, and I'm like, "Okay, I have to." Like I finally got fluids into me, and like like I'm like, "Okay, I have to go to the bathroom." Like I, I can pee again now that I'm not dehydrated. And I'm not, I, I shit you not, I stand up. To go to the bathroom and the chair is sticking to my back, because <laughs> I, I was there's like so much sweat and grime and everything. I'm literally just standing there in this restaurant with a chair hanging off the the the, uh, the tank top on my back, uh, and I was like, "Did you have burnt ends?" I can't remember if I had burnt ends. I remember the ri- the ribs, the brisket, the mac and cheese. The oh my god! So when you describe brisket, so so that's brisket is my next project, and I've been researching and looking at YouTube videos and different tips and tricks and blah 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 blah. I've yet to do it. I've yet to try it, but <clears throat> they say when like a barbecue pit master really masters brisket, the icing on the cake is the bur- burnt ends. Um, and I don't want to get into too too many details of smoking brisket and what have you. What goes into it, but when you describe like a a cloud, like a meat cloud going into your mouth, so good. So the the burnt ends are supposed to be like like little meat marshmallows. And in fact, I saw, I saw a video of uh, 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 Max Holloway going to a, a a barbecue joint and learning how to make burnt ends with a guy. It's on YouTube. Look it up. Um, but they refer to the burnt ends as meat marshmallow. So when you told me how the brisket tasted like meat uh, clouds, I was like, oh, try burnt ends, bro. Okay. Okay. So, so here's a question for, for blue belt grill master Mondo. Okay. If, if say 
you're, you're just grilling for yourself or maybe for like a couple people and you get, you get like a good, not, not 30 pounds of meat. You grill like a manageable portion and you just want to like eat meat and chill and watch a, a, a show, you know, like, but you have like maybe like two hours of meat to digest over, over the course of it. Like what, what would be a good show to, to watch and indulge your meat eating habits? A good show to watch and yeah. indulge my meat eating habits. Yeah, like what's like what's some like good good like meat eating television out there? So, so for now, <laughs> I love your tangent. I love it. Um, that, that actually wasn't a tangent. That was a transition trying to come back to what we, we discussed right, in right. the outline. No, you're right. I, I I I meant to say transition, not tangent. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so if I'm not watching the like fights or a sporting event, um. I I like sitting in front of TV and and like and like binging TV shows and, and and because of this whole Corona lockdown, a lot of us are at home, have nothing to do. I have been in sales, so even my sales position, it's like stay at home orders are in place. So like don't don't make a sales call unless absolutely critical. So I'm at home watching fucking TV shows all day. Uh, <laughs> and one of the uh, one of the many shows that I so I, I I took a recommendation. I watched Kingdom. That shit was fucking epic. So so just to be clear, just to be clear, there's actually two Kingdoms on Netflix now. There's yes. one Kingdom that that's an MMA like yes. show, you know, a fictionalized MMA gym. And then there's the probably I think the better of the two, which is uh, Samurai Korean Zombie Show. That's the one yes. you're talking about. The second one. So yeah. So if if I were to say I've I've actually heard of the MMA Kingdom show yes. before. You told me about this South Korean zombie uh, kingdom. So I, I, dude, I binged that show, and you, you, uh, you undersold it. Maybe because I'm a super huge, huge, huge zombie genre fan, but the show is fucking amazing. Yeah, uh, no, it was great. Just, okay, so so now that now that you've watched it, so I don't I don't understand. To me, that was on the level of like. In terms of how engrossed I was, in terms of how much when one episode ended, I wanted to watch the next one. For me, it was like a Game of Thrones where I was, I was like gonna just say that, that locked I in. I was going to say that. I was so mid mid watching the series. I was going to text you some stupid shit like, "Dude, this is a cross between Game of Thrones and like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies." Kind of, um, uh, uh, class like like classification um gentrification kind of goes into play a little bit that game of thrones like uh the royal the, 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 yeah the the palace maneuvering and intrigue and the politics yes. and and then crossed with zombies crossed yeah. with like you 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 did mention the fact that it was a little bit of a kind of kind of mystery a mystery whodunit type mm-hmm. of deal like trying to figure out what was going on um the downside and the smallest downside, I say downside, the smallest downside is that it's in subtitles. So I had to fucking read yeah. it. I couldn't like, I couldn't like, so every time I wanted to like take a piss, I couldn't let it play and just hear what was going so, on. I had to go pause so, it. and. So so there was a dub version that was actually pretty solid. I just preferred to watch with the subtitles because I yeah. thought the Korean voice actors did a really good job. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'd ever want to watch the dub version. I prefer to watch the original. I would much rather read the subtitles and just go that way. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I watched the first year, the first season, binged the shit out of that. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And I thought, like, when you're watching the second season, there's only two seasons right now. As the second season was about to wrap up, I thought, okay, cool. The, the entire 
series or the entire show is going to come to a conclusion at the end of season two. I thought, oh, great. It's a cool two little two season whatever. But wait, there's more. The very last uh, episode of the second season, you're like, oh, motherfuckers. Hold on. Season three is coming up. Grab onto Hopefully. your titties and your popcorn. No, I think it is. I think it's in development. I think they got. I think they got the green light. Because believe me, when the season was over, when the second one was done, first thing I did was look up the internet. When is season three coming up? When is it? When is it due? Is it going to happen? I think they got the green light. I think they got the money for it. Um, amazing show. You have to watch it. It's not slow at all. Like there are some seats. There's some shows where you're watching and you're kind of like, ah. Uh, uh, the pa- the pacing was was oh, fantastic. It was I mean, great. and they start right right from the beginning, from the very first scene. You're like, oh shit, what's what is this? Like, yeah. I mean, because we compared it to Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones, like the entire first season until the last episode, was really kind of slow, and then it picks yeah. up. There, there was a with Game of Thrones. There are so so many characters that they want to do a ton. Like it was almost an obnoxious amount of character development. So I I forgive it for that hindsight being what it is but that's not necessary with with this uh with with yeah. kingdom well, it's well and they also they also had like like a 25 dollar budget for the first game of thrones seasons these guys like, me- these guys spent millions of dollars on each yeah. episode yeah because well, korea really seems like they want to become important globally just in in, in terms of culture and content and yeah. you know arts and film and and uh so it's like they're investing like it's it's i don't know it's cool because they're doing good stuff no, dude. Like I said, you undersold it. I'm I'm more than happy to have watched it. It was not a second of my life uh, wasted. Uh, I will probably rewatch that season. So when when if and when they announce season three, about a week or two before th- season three comes out, I will probably sit down and rewatch the first two seasons all over again. That's how much. That's how good I thought it was. It was it was really good. Um, again, my my bias is that I'm a big zombie dork too. So. Well- I, the thing that I, I think I said this last time, but that I really enjoyed was there's always these like plot holes or like things that really don't make sense in shows like that. And, you know, regardless of, of whether like scientifically, it, you know, it, it completely panned out, like they addressed every little, yeah. you know, they it's like, well, to. What? they tried to. Yeah. Like they, they really thought it through. So it was, it was a well-written script. I thought the, the, the acting was good and it was just, it's hard to have a different take. I mean, there's been so many freaking zombie movies yeah. where, but they, they actually did have managed to, to have a different take on that genre. And it was just, again, it was just cool seeing something like that come out of uh, South Korea. What, what I, what I enjoyed a little more backstory about why, why I appreciated and enjoyed it more is because all these zombie genre movies fail to um, address how how zombies start like they're like they just say oh here's zombie shit they're all over the place survive motherfuckers right and i again i read that book by max brooks by the way max brooks also wrote pride and prejudice and zombies and i believe he also wrote um abraham lincoln vampire hunter he's written a bunch of cool no that's i'm sorry that's seth graham smith i i complete completely mixing up my uh my uh my uh writers but Max Brooks wrote this. He wrote he wrote World War Z, the movie that was made by um, uh, Brad Pitt. So Max yes. Brooke, 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 Brooks wrote this book called like the Complete Zombie Survival Guide. I think I mentioned it in one of the previous episodes. It's kind of like a hokey um, parody, like what would happen if zombies really invaded and what you should do to survive. 
So in that book, they in the book they try to address like what the origin of the zombie virus is, and one of the many theories is that it predates to like feudal uh, Japan. Like it like so when I saw this kingdom, I was like, oh. Okay, that's kind of cool. Like you're tying the zombie thing to feudal Japan. That's how it may or may not have originated. Well, it was is Korea, but yeah. I'm sorry, right, Korea. Korea. No, you're right. Korea, Korea, so, Korea. I I flubbed. Sorry, they they're they're, they're next to each other, but yeah, different I'm countries for sure. I was just speaking at 100 miles per hour, but yeah, they uh they uh so Max Brooks in the book like talks about how um the virus may have originated somewhere in. Asia. Let's just say Asia. I don't want to say it was China, Japan, Korea, but somewhere in Asia, China, China <laughs> with COVID and Corona and eating bats and all the animals, whatever. Uh, um, but yeah, so so Kingdom like, I guess takes that ball and runs with it and saying like, you know, zombies may or may not have originated somewhere in in this case in South Korea. Hint, hint has nothing to do with eating food. It's something different. I don't want to reveal like the premise of Kingdom, but it was a good show. Well, and that's a great part. That, that was an ongoing mystery that they wove through the show of like, because mm-hmm. it, it, so many of these, these zombie movies, it's like, oh, how do we just survive? Like, let's hole up in a farmhouse and hope the zombies don't find us. Like, no, like this, the, the main character is like, we got to fucking find out what caused this so we can stop it. Like, yeah. we, you know, and, and they're actually, um, Looking at it from like a, a control standpoint, and, and you know the 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 main character is, is a prince of this kingdom, and he's like, okay, we got to nip this in the bud so it doesn't take over a kingdom. Like he's looking at it pragmatically as as a a ruler and a, a uh, you know a governor of a place would. So it was like it, it was refreshing instead of just to say, oh, we're gonna hide in a basement and hope yeah, the zombies yeah. don't corner us, like. So that yeah, anyhow. that was that that was a fantastic fantastic show. Anyone that's into if you're into like even like samurai or like Asian karate martial arts type shit, if you're into that, watch the show. If you're into zombie shit, watch the show. If you're into Game of Thrones, watch the show. You probably won't be disappointed. Um, another show I watched, very, um, I guess, near and dear to my heart, and I I didn't I don't know what to think of it when I read like the synopsis of it, because uh, based off of a comic book. But uh, and and the the comic book one of the two comic book writers is a singer in a in a band. Um, I was like, what the fuck does this guy know about comic book shit? Gerard Way from uh, My Chemical Romance. What the fuck does he know to talk about? And then I watched the show. I didn't read the comics, but I watched the show, The Umbrella Academy. I fucking uh, two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert, or just Siskel. You're Ebert, I guess. I don't know in this in this analogy. Two thumbs up. Season two is coming up July 31st, which is Friday? Saturday? Thursday? I don't Fr- know. Friday. Friday. Um, so, uh, last weekend, I also binged the entire first season of it. And uh, even even on the second rewatch, like, knowing what, what is coming up and what is happening, what's, what's next, um, it's one of those things where, like, maybe you, the first time around you miss details, and then the second time you watch the entire season, you're like, oh, okay... Like they did a very good job of again, like not like the there weren't very many plot holes. So when you watch it a second time, you're like, okay, they 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 mapped this out. This was this was very well thought out, and 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 those details were those breadcrumbs of of hints and mystery were left for you to 
to pick up the trail. So, so what, what, what did you think was the mystery in that show? Um, I think it's yet to be solved. Here's what I got. I have a theory myself in, and they kind of, they kind of hinted at some things here and there during the course of the first season. And that the, uh, so again, I'm going to backtrack before I answer your question. A little quick premise of the story is this bajillionaire dude. Um, he founds an, an academy, calls it the Umbrella Academy. Oh, and by the way, all these kids that he recruits to be part of the academy were all born on the same day. Um, and all the women that gave birth to these kids were not preg- pregnant. Like they literally like, I don't want to spoil the opening scene, but you go from zero pregnant to giving birth in like the matter of like five minutes and then you give birth. And so there's like, I forget the number. There was like hundreds of these kids born on the same exact day. And this rich bajillionaire guy manages to purchase. <laughs> he actually buys seven of these kids from the parents. Um, who knows what happens to the rest of these kids. Hint, hint, future seasons to come. Um, so, so yeah, I don't want to give away like a theory I may have, but the general premise is, is like he starts an academy kind of like X-Men for those that don't, that are kind of don't know what, what it's about, like a Professor X type of guy. So he's like a sort of kind of like a Professor X type of uh, a, a character where he recruits all these kids and he kind of shows them how to hone their powers a bit better. Um, and these kids were basically crime fighters growing up. Uh, fast forward to the beginning of this series, they're now they're now I would say early twenties, maybe late twenties. Some of them uh, adults. They've all went their separate ways. They've all moved out of the house. One of one of the kids went to the moon to live his life out in the moon for a couple years. Who knows why the fuck he was told to do that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't. I don't want to go too far into the details of the show without giving up what, what it's about. But it's very interesting. They they do a very good job of mixing the characters in with plot, and uh, I like all. They do a very good job of without like um, spending an entire like episode giving you the whole backstory. They give you that they they feed you the backstory of all the characters during the course of the season. So you're like watching the episode one, watching episode two, and you learn a little bit more and more and more about these characters. And uh, it well, makes so, go ahead. Ki, ki, so a couple. I mean, one, one of the main things though for someone who hasn't seen it, like what you're describing does sound kind of generic. Oh, it's like an X Men. You know, it, it it has a lot of the elements that you would see in you know, Marvel properties or DC or anything like that. I think one of the big things that, that does separate this is, is this, this is a very like offbeat sort of show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have your typical superhero powers. Um, not really. And the, the, the characters themselves are very eccentric. The, the, uh, you know, the, the guy, when you're talking about this, this bajillionaire guy, he's, he, he's more in the, the, the vein of like, crazy eccentric billionaire who flies around the world in a hot air balloon, you know, and goes into hidden, hidden runes to find some treasure. Like he's not, he's not, you know, sort of the industrial streamlined character that you see in a lot of 
Marvel properties. So it, it is very offbeat. And, and almost every single, I was going to say almost, no, I think literally every, every single character um, in the show has some pretty deep character flaws and personality issues that that sort of hold them them back from being the the uh and i was gonna say from the hero they want to be but most of them don't even really want to be heroes yeah most of them are out for their own sort of selfish kind of kind of uh selfish gains and the ones that are trying to be heroes like can't really get out of their own way to do that if that makes sense yeah so like the the, the they're they're um, this is more sort of in the, the alt kind of anti-hero vein than, than anything. Um, and for me, for me, that's what it made, made it enjoyable because it, I'm not going to lie. I thought in parts, some of the writing was a little bit clunky. The plotting was a little bit obvious, but I thought the characters were just really enjoyable. Like um, I just, I just, I just enjoyed going on this journey with the characters, even though, pretty early on i'm like oh i see where this is going like i kind of understand where at least this season is going to end up you, you know what i thought was you know what i thought was most int- well one of the me- very many things that i thought was most interesting about the show is that the biggest like headlining star ellen page mm-hmm. um famous for like knocked up and a bunch of other movies um she, she was she was certainly not knocked up but but yes you're you're oh, close knocked you're- up. uh juno <laughs> Juno, where she was knocked up. Sorry, that, I know she. She yes, yeah, she was pregnant in Juno. But good, good right. lord, if it was Seth I, Rogen and Ellen Page, that would have been a very different movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Ellen Page is like the, I would say like the the, the leading actress in or the, the headlining actress. I don't want to say leading. She's like the biggest name in the cast of of, of actors that are in this movie. Yeah, I think but, that's fair. But during the course of the show, the character she plays is a very uh, her 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 character is not the most uh, interesting character or most important character, and then towards the latter Ooh. end of the series, it you that that whole notion gets flipped on its head, and, and she she shows why she's one of the most important characters, and uh, she does a good job of it. Fuck, she was a, she was she was amazing playing like the. I'm not important, mousy. I'm overlooked. Uh, member of this household, you know. And then again, last couple episodes of the season, you're like, "Oh shit, no, you're a badass." Um, <laughs> a little, a little evil well, badass. One, well, and, and I think I think the acting performances across the board were were really good. I mean, yeah. so so somebody like I, I didn't know who Robert Sheehan is. He, he plays uh, Klaus. Who and just okay, so just just to, to give you um, a idea when I say the powers are a little bit different, like you know, Cla- he's not he's not flying well, let's around. Go, let's shooting. go in order. Let's go in order. Let's go number one. Through. Oh, oh, you just, you just want to break down the powers? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're all given. So by this rich bajillionaire father figure guy, they're all given numbers. There's seven of them. Okay, there's number one played by Tom Holland. Who? No. <laughs> no, 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 not, not Tom Holland. Yeah, what is it? Something Holland. No, no, Tom, Tom Holland is Spider-Man in the uh, X-Men properties. What's that's his not, name? That's not Tom, Tom Hopper. Tom Hopper. Okay, I was close. Fuck you. Don't make fun of me. I was close. Tom Hopper. To, to, to my knowledge, his biggest credit prior to this series was he played like a side character in Game of Thrones where he was like, uh, I forget, one of the Tullys. Like some, he had a very like maybe two lines in Game of Thrones. Um, that was his biggest credit before 
um, Umbrella Academy. But he plays character number one, aka Space Boy. And well, and he actually—I mean, they—he they, does have a name as well, but that's okay. In the in the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, yeah. It's only only five. Number five doesn't. But number doesn't five have only a name. has a, yeah. Everyone else has a real name. But but I'm yeah. Saying, his name is, is Luther. But yes, Luther. But yeah, numerically, but, yes, he was number one. But 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 Papa Bajillionaire Father Figure only calls them by their number. He never calls them. Yeah, like he, he never was calls. Douche. He never calls number one Luther. He always calls number and the same with everybody. Right, all all these kids. So number one is Luther, aka Space Boy. Um, we're gonna talk about his power real quick. He's just got like super human strength, but we don't know why until like a couple seasons into the uh, series. Well, well, yeah. I mean, so so uh, ostensibly he had it that he had it originally, uh, and then the, 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 that was another thing that, that was kind of nice. There are a bunch of like little mysteries that are work, worked in because um, like you get you know you get flashbacks. It does kind of have had that lost feel. If, if you remember, yes, yes, the yes, early yes. the early seasons of Lost. Yeah, we're great because you had these flashbacks and you would see who that person was before and you'd be like, wait, how the fuck did they get from that to where they are now? And you could you could kind of um, have these little mini mysteries. And one of the things with him is like you see him as a kid and he looks pretty normal. And then you see him as this sort of hulking, uh, not, you know, figure, not quite incredible Hulk, but he, he's obviously just wearing some some giant prosthetics in, in the, the show. But like, like, whoa, what happened to him? Was yeah. he... Was he was he just uh, on the the Vitor Belfort testosterone program or <laughs> super, like super tiered? So his power yeah. his power is like super strength, right? That's his power. Yes. Okay, and then we go to number two, which yes. is well. So he he he's not present a lot because he's he's dead, and we still don't really know exactly what happened to him. Right. Yeah, and I think that's gonna we're gonna probably reveal some of that in 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 season two, maybe I don't know, but. Number two's power is, and they never. Uh, he's giant. He's just he he's he's uh. It's like giant octopus yeah. tentacles. They never come out really, of his stomach. They, they never really completely show it. Exactly. I don't want to give up too much of this of the show without for the listeners to to watch. But yeah, he basically had like this power where he has like octopus tentacles and he's got like a bajillion limbs and he can fuck people up with those bajillion limbs. Um, mm-hmm. again, I don't want to give away too much because his, his character is a little deeper than that. And, you, and when you watch the show, you'll, you'll know why we're trying to be elusive with it. Um, number three, is that, uh, the rumor? That's Allison. Yeah. Yeah. That's Allison, the rumor and her ability, if you want to call it ability or superpower is, if she starts a sentence with, I heard a rumor, blank, 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 and she repeats that phrase to someone in their ear, they will do that. So, like, if I go to air and say, I heard a rumor, you can punch yourself out. And <laughs> so people that aren't in video land have just missed out on comic gold because Aaron just, like, punched himself although not that hard but the 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 gist is you kind of control somebody by telling them i heard a rumor that blank 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 and they do it so if you say i you know if she goes to someone say i heard a rumor that i'm a big movie star then all of a sudden she becomes a big movie star so that's her power she has the power to like manipulate somebody by saying some verbal um phrase yes she's she's the kylie jenner power (laughs) 
That's that's the only way those people being billionaires make sense. There's no other possible explanation. No, that's the mom. Other than that. The mom would be the one with the power, not the not Kylie. What's the mom's name? I I don't know. I don't want to know any more about that family Chris, than Kristen? I already do. Christian? Christian. I don't care. Yeah. No, the close I, yeah, the, the rumor is basically Chris Jenner, but for real. Like she could say something and it happens. Like, hey Kim, you I heard a rumor you were in a porno with this guy and then Kim Kardashian makes a porno with Ray J and she goes famous for being boned. Let, let, let me let me let me make this analogy just as a little callback. Co- compared to how much I care about the Kardashians or whatever their names are, the Lando Venata Bobby <laughs> Green fight is the most important thing in my life. Holy moly, Jesus. Okay, moving on. Fuck 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 uh the the, the Kardashians. No, don't fuck them. Don't care. Don't no. want anything to do with them. Yeah, don't because if you do, you go crazy. Moving on, number four. Yes, that's their power. <laughs> that's it. All it all ties together. Yeah. So number number four. I mean, he. he yeah, the 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 seance. I, I it's weird. I, I'm only seeing these nicknames. I didn't pick up on any of these nicknames from the actual show. I just knew them by their their first names. But he he was he was one of if not the best. Uh, characters in the whole show yeah, funny. and he he he's he's basically if um <laughs> if the 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 uh little boy in the sixth sense like grew up to be like a a, a kind of uh gay eccentric uh a gay druggie thin thin thin, thin drug-addled man and then learned how to exercise power over the dead yeah so 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 klaus's ability is he can actually hear and communicate with the dead and he's got a couple other little powers. That but only, only when he's he's sober, which which yes. leads to him being inebriated exactly. for much of the show. So he's so he so in order to like not hear the voices or the dead in his head, he gets himself pretty hammered and or high and or under some kind of substances to drown out the voices. But 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 Aaron is right where he is one of the. Like when I watch an episode, I, I like I look forward to like what's Klaus gonna do? Like he's the character that you, like he's I wouldn't say he's the comedic relief because he's not just more than funny. He there are some serious elements to him too, but his character makes is a very rich character and and uh, I like to see him whenever he's well, on screen. And th- and that's th- that's the thing. I mean, th- and that's where this this really is you know the kind of the offbeat uh aspect of the show shines through it's like he he is largely the comedic relief but he's also just one of the darkest most tragic characters yes. and when you can have that balance it, it just makes for you know an entertaining um watch and like i said it's like he's someone you can uh, you can kind of relate to i mean I, I not maybe so much taking a bunch of drugs but like it's like just just trying to push away like something you don't you don't want to deal with like like you know some some pain in your life or something like that and you know mask it with with uh humor and uh i've I've never tried to mask it with massive amounts of like uh molly but you know that that's that's the thought if i run out of of other options i mean i i have a a nice blueprint of where to go from from klaus so i i I think again it was just the the thing that makes the show were the characters that was character number five and then uh, there was number six. Numbers. Oh no, no sorry. No, no, he was. We, he was we didn't no, I skipped five. one. So he he, he was, was number four. four. Number five might might be the second best character. Um, it was and no, number number five, and that's that's just what they call him by. I don't think for some reason here I can't remember why he never got a name. They never give him a name. He, he, 
he was he was definitely one of oh and the reason he doesn't get a name is because because they 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 all get names as they get older and this this number five has uh, some powers over space and time and after a, an argument about using the the powers in relation to time specifically he just disappears and they're like well uh, yeah he's so he's gone got, we guess he's got power he's got uh, he's got the power to to teleport to like disappear somewhere and appear somewhere else and eventually he learns that that same power he can actually use to travel through space and time not just teleport like within the same time period but like go back in time go forward in time so that that was it was like a lot of our lancer brothers you know in in uh when we it's like it's like when we had to like do work and set up maurakai they could just vanish instantly but then when the party was there they could reappear like and i was like where did you come from i i was looking for you yeah. all over and and you just it was like you did vanish off the face of the earth and now boom you just you appeared how did you how did you get here had, it was we, amazing we had it was sad but speaking of lancer brothers i'd say when you and i were active i'd say easily 75 percent of our brothers were number fives <laughs> i think that oh i don't i I didn't. I wasn't going that far, but I mean, yeah, I, it was. It was just. It was just a joke. You didn't have to make it that personal. No, no, I was no, just no. kidding around. Seventy-five percent were number fives. There, I said it. No, don't come on. Don't make it personal, Mondo. Name names. Who are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so yeah, number five learns that ability, and his character, without giving much more um, information, that guy. That guy is like like Aaron was saying. Is probably one of the other one of the other more interesting characters with so much character development and and so much influence over what happens during the course of the series of the first series at least uh number six is it's ben no number six is the guy with the knives oh i i i, f I fucked up sorry uh number two is diego number six so i that was my so bad then, no yeah so aaron's actually looking online i'm going off of memory i don't i'm it's not his fault not my fault number six is the guy we talked about with the octopus tentacle things number two yeah, number we're gonna go back to number two is, is diego, diego who is a who is very skilled at throwing sharp objects i, I look i i felt that one was a little bit on the nose racially <laughs> They're like, uh, fuck they're like, you. We we're gonna he's, no. He's I, I didn't. He, oh, by the way, I didn't Aaron's, do it. They made a the, yeah. Aaron. They made a Latin guy, and they're like, ah, he has control over knives. I'm like, really, guys? Could you? Really? Boo, <laughs> boo, Aaron. Talk about fucking racial profiling. But hey, I didn't write the character. I'm just saying this Di is factual. Di Diego, yeah, Diego becomes like this super crazy assassin. Almost always wears black, and uh, good at throwing knives and shit. Um, he had growing up as a child he had like a stuttering issue and uh so that so without going into too far into the depth of his character it makes him endearing to some to, in some sense um and almost forgiving for some of the crazy shit he does during the uh during the series cuz he does some pretty fucked up shit but uh well I, I think to me more than I mean the 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 stutter. Um, that's nice. It's like a small personal touch. But at his core, like he he is one of the few characters, like maybe the one of the only 
character who I think his motivation really was trying to help other people. But he's also one of the ones who does a lot of the most fucked up shit in in the effort to do that. Right. And he gets himself himself into trouble trying to do good things. Which, which again, which is nice because it's like all these other people we talked about. I mean, like, like, uh, you know, number one, like, yeah, he wants to do good things, but I actually, when I looked at it, it was more for. I felt like he wanted to do it for personal gain. He wanted to please his, this absent father yes. that 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 brought all these people together and wouldn't even bother giving them real names. Let's not go. You know, let's go. Let's not give. Let's not give away too much of the show. But you are right. Oh, I'm. Just, I'm just talking about. I mean, and you know, the 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 number three, the you know, the, the one who could whisper a rumor and make it true. Oh, yeah. She she uses that power completely yes. for personal gain and destroys her life in the you know the process. Yes. You know, uh, number number four. He, you know, he he was he was like the kid in the sixth sense before he figured out that these dead people just wanted his help, and he just he just wanted to escape from everything yeah. and drowned himself in alcohol and just was ignoring them. Um, you know, f- f- five uh, just wanted to play. Was like was just a little kid who wanted to play with yes. his powers like they're a toy, and fucking disappears off the face of the earth, um, and then. We we never we never really get the full backstory on what happened with six, but he's he's dead, Shame which brings us to, to big spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I, I know I, I know I already said it. It's fine. And then I brought it to number seven. Okay, number seven, number seven is played by Ellen Page. I, I don't want again. I don't want to give away too much. Number seven is played by the the the, the now, star actress. Do, do, do you think she it was written into the to the script that she was to dress like Ellen Page, or did number because I haven't read the, the comic book either? Or is it Ellen Page was just like, yo, if you want me to do this, this is what I'm wearing. Fucking deal with it. Do you know it. what Ellen Page's first uh, act, acting credit is? Trivia. I I don't know. She's she she's been acting really since she was really really young. I do remember there was one movie where I was gonna watch, and then I was like, ooh, there's like some creepy weird like. Pedo type stuff. Oh in this. yeah, like, that's oh, wow. uh, hard candy. I know what you're talking about. Ugh, yeah, yeah, don't that, watch that, it. Not worth it. It's kind of it's. I did. Fucked I, up. I did not. I, I'm glad. Like I, I was like, yeah. Oh, this sounds. Nope. Fuck. I'm not. No. So, so Ellen that. Page's first so, acting credit ever was drum roll in Trailer Park Boys, a Canadian, oh, okay. a Canadian comedy, uh, uh, show series. It's got like five bajillion seasons. Anyway, uh, very small character in that, but that was her first act- acting credit. And now she's developed into a full-blown, like, I would say, I wouldn't say A-lister, maybe B-plus lister actress. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she's the biggest acting uh, actress name on the uh, cast. And um, she plays this, I, I don't know if you can talk about her character number seven without giving away too much. I- yeah, yeah. So, so you you can't get into her whole character arc, but the the thing that that sets her apart in in um, most of the show is that you know you've got you've got this this billionaire who, by all accounts, is a complete asshole. He brings all these kids together because he wants to form you know some sort of crime fighting academy, and they're all born under these fantastical circumstances and they have these weird and and um, you know, often mysterious, but, but very, uh, powerful abilities. And then you have number seven, whose name is Vanya. 
and she ostensibly has no powers. She's just completely ordinary. And it's like, she's just kind of there. And it's like, you know, so she's, she's an adopted daughter who's in the middle of this super powered family with a, a unloving father. And she's like constantly ostracized because so much of what they're doing revolves around all these crazy powers they have. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you're just ordinary. Like, go off to the side, yeah, get out so, of the way. Don't. So, what makes her dynamic, and I won't go into the latter part of the series, but what makes her dynamic kind of interesting at the beginning of the series is that as kids, these guys go and become a superhero team, but Vanya's the, the boring plane has no powers one. And she writes a book that basically says, hey, I'm the boring number seventh, no powered. Uh, kid in this household of the Umbrella Academy, and she write this. She writes this tell-all, and so the first six uh, characters, for the most part, kind of resent her for writing this book, this tell-all, and that's yeah, well, yeah. That's all I want to say about her character. But well, she, she's ex- 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 especially because it's like, <laughs> it's like everyone's family is at least a little bit fucked mm-hmm. up, and. Their family was especially fucked up, right. but from the outside looking in, you know, I think, I think particularly like, like, you know, I kind of talked about, um, number one, where it's like he wanted to help people, but it was almost sort of a, for a self, it was more for what it did for his, his self-worth and his, maybe his ego a little bit. And, you know, he was someone who, who was particularly, um, upset with, with Vanya because it's like, Oh, from the outside, a lot of people thought they were heroes and they had action figures. And then she's like, oh, by the way, guess what? This was a completely fucked up, dysfunctional family. We're going to air all your dirty laundry out. And so just imagine, imagine like the worst, like most screwed up moment that happened from, from, you know, your, your family. You don't, I'm not, I'm not asking for, for details, Mondo, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you don't it's know, like, you don't know like, what happened this weekend. Go on. So 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 what if like that happened and then your brother Hector was like, you know what? I'm just gonna write a book and just tell the whole world about that. Like yes. yeah, there'd probably be a little bit of resentment. My family and I, my brother and I specifically, we got into a very heated argument. He thought I was well, no no more dirty air, no more dirty laundry, but that's enough. We got into a heated argument this last weekend. <laughs> After Wow, it just started to yeah. it just started to get juicy and, and Mondo's like, No, 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 no. no, no. no. That's no. That's, exce- that's, that's for when that's Hector Excelsior. writes the tell-all book. That's Excelsior shit. No, but you believe me. I, I, I'm the black sheep of this. I'm the number seven. I'm the Vanya of this family. Hector's probably Diego. <laughs> He's the guy with the knives. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, interesting, interesting show for sure. If you're if you're kind of into, wait. So who's the number one of your family then? Uh, who we don't have that many kids in this family to like n- name a number one. So 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 you have a black sheep and and kind of like a self-destructive fuck up? Is there is there a third do you have a, a third sibling? No, well there's three there's my sister, my brother and myself. Yeah. Um so so which which one is your sister of of I would those say, characters? You know, I honestly I think I'm a cross between number 1 uh Klaus and number 7. I, as awkward as it sounds, I I think I'm 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 a cross between those three somehow. Are, are you are you a, a drug addict? <laughs> Excelsior, Excelsior. Are, are you wait? Are you a gay drug addict? No, not gay, but drug addict. Excelsior. Okay. Wow. Uh, uh, Excelsior. There, you're, Fuck you. We have to continue this this conversation off the podcast. I got you. I will ask so, no more. Um, no, but but uh, but for sure, my brother is a Diego. Is and in that, um. 
very, very, like, hyper-emotional, uh, has, he's got, like, a, he's got, like, a, a gentle reason to why he's as emotional as he is, like, you know, like, number two has, like, the, uh, he, growing up, he had the, uh, stutter, my brother growing up had a lisp, okay. um, also, just like number one, number two dynamic, Number one was kind of always like the golden boy could not ever do wrong. And number two always had to be number two. Uh, I did very well in school growing up. I, I just did what I did. Like school came natural to me. And unfortunately, to I'm, I'm airing dirty layer. I'm, I'm airing dirty laundry here. I, I, I said I wasn't, okay. I wasn't going to. But yeah, my brother had to compete with that growing up. And it was it was unfortunate for him, unfair to him. Um, but he's got, he's got that chip on his shoulder where like, no matter what, um, he wants to argue with me, even when he's, even when he's wrong, he has to find a way to prove me, prove me wrong. Like he's, even when he is wrong. Um, is your little, is, is, is Hector still physically smaller than you as well? Uh, we're, I don't, a little bit. I think we're about the same height, maybe like an inch shorter, maybe like an inch or two shorter, but not like the size difference is not. Not okay. come into factor there, because because I was wondering if he had like the little man and the the, the little brother chip on his no, shoulder because that, that'd be no, a double whammy. It's, it's more of like he's he's my mom's favorite, and I'm 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 like uh, in a lot of ways I'm like my dad's mini me, you know, for the for all the good and bad reasons, and my and my okay. brother is my mom's mini me for all the good and bad reasons, and uh, my mom and dad never got along <laughs> growing up. They always fought. They always argued. But uh, Jesus Christ, I'm. This is way too much Excelsior. I I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm, um, I'm not. I'm not pushing. I stopped talking as soon as you said Excelsior. Yeah. You're, you're no, just... I know. I know. But but deep deep deep, deep, deep down it, inside, deep down inside, like my brother and I will argue now, and we will always argue forever. But no matter what, I think I'm always gonna. F- I'm always gonna be the big brother. I'm always gonna take the higher road and eventually forgive him. I think he's always going to have this chip on his shoulder like, fuck you. Like, he's never, he's always going to try to be the number one spot. And I just, there's nothing I can do about it. So I just got to try my hardest to uh, take the higher road. Even when it's, even when I, I fail a lot. I fail at it a lot. Often. I fail at taking the higher road very often. Um, But yeah, the Umbrella Academy Season 2 is coming up on Friday. Uh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Fucker. Let me, let me just, no, no, just, just out of solidarity. Let me, let me, let me air. I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna go into my family, but I'll, I'll, I'll air three quick intersecting personal stories that that touch on a lot of those okay. things. Um, the, the, the first, and most, so most of this, this revolves around like, like uh, health problems. I mean, I don't want to get into to all the health issues I, I've had, but for the last eight years, I've had ongoing things. I've been to countless doctors trying to figure them out. Uh, and it was funny. I mean, when you, you don't have to share any sort of, you know, drug stuff, but for the longest time, the only, only, only things that I'd ever tried drug wise were alcohol and marijuana. Um, and I don't, I don't like most drugs because especially out of some of the, the 
after the experiences I had with prescription medication where doctors were saying, you need to take this, you're not going to get better. Like, I just do not like anything that alters my, my state of mind. Like when I, when I feel like a drug is more in control than I am, it, it freaks me the fuck out. I do not like it. Um, so I was even less likely after going through the health, some of the health stuff to, to try drugs. But I did read a study where, um, it shows that like like ketamine yeah. could actually lead lead to regrowing some of your nerve receptors, and it could like almost work as like like if you think about a computer, like if your computer's fucking up and you just reboot re- the operating system, ketamine could basically if your nervous system is overactive, it's like a reboot on a computer where you're gonna go back to a baseline after you take it. I heard I heard similar things, and I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but I heard similar similar effects with mushrooms. Um, however, both those mushrooms and I believe ketamine are also illegal substances. Am I, am I wrong? You're, you're incorrect. Um, okay. I know mushrooms are, I know mushrooms are illegal right now. Mushrooms are ketamine is not, it's actually been approved for clinical use. Clinical, Um, but not federal, right? No, no, no. In, in, in in a clinical setting as prescribed by a doctor, ketamine is legal. No, like mushrooms, like a doctor can't write you a prescription for mushrooms and, and you go into a doctor's office yeah. and get them. That, that ketamine, you can. Um, and, and the reason, the difference though with, with mushrooms, is it was more, because uh, yes, I think we probably both heard Joe Rogan talk for like a cumulative 17 weeks about how great mushrooms are. They don't, they don't actually physiologically do anything. It was more like a, a psychological thing. When I, when I read ketamine actually show, was showing to, like make a physiological change in your nervous system i was like you know what fuck this i'll I'll try it i hate drugs i don't like the way they make me feel um but so i i went to a doctor's office i was on a a two hour long ketamine drip where they had like an iv bag you know plugged it into my vein and that stuff was just slowly dripping in and it it, well, the first thing for me was like some people talk about having like crazy out of body experiences and like floating above themselves. And for, for me, the biggest thing was like everything seemed too intense. Like I was trying to just listen to a, a normal podcast. Um, and actually, remember specifically, I mean, this ties back to the MMA. I mean, that was this was during a period where I was like super, super into MMA. So I tried to listen to the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani and like. I could, the first 15 seconds of Ariel Hawani speed talking was like too intense for me. I'm like, I fuck it. I can't, I can't deal so with it. So you this. listened to a podcast so, while on ketamine. Is that what you were doing? I, I tried, oh. I tried to, I couldn't, it was too, that's what I'm saying. It was too intense. I had to turn it off. Um, like, just like, like him talking, he was talk, he's, you know, talking about some car. He's like, well, oh, so coming up, we have so-and-so and we're going to get into this and that. I'm like, oh, I can't. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like, so it, like that, that amount of sensation was too much for me when I was on it's ketamine. anxiety inducing, I imagine. I, I would, I would not, not having tried it, but I would want to be in like in a relaxing calm, not again, never, never have experience with it. Well, so it's, it's literally a tranquilizer. That's the thing. It's supposed to be calming. And for some reason for me, I, it like... I just I just couldn't seem to to uh, like let it relax. I, like I needed something else that was going to put me in a calming state. And, but the second thing is is time seemed to pass so so slowly. I mean, I, I think I was on that drip for I, I want to say two hours. It could have been four. It really felt like it was a solid week. Wow! Like time passed so slowly. 
And that, that was one thing where for me, it really stood out because um, I don't know if, if you've followed all the various protests and, and things that, that went on, but there, there was, um, there was a, a young uh black man in denver who oh yeah yeah was was just he was his name his name was elijah mclean basically he was just walking home in august and um he he had he had on he had on a a ski mask um just because i think he he was like diabetic or something like that and and it just helped yeah um and 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 these these cops like start roughing him up and they're acting like he's suspicious and i mean if you guys haven't haven't heard it, like they people have assembled everything he said to the police officers as, as they were basically roughing him up, choking him to death, and then he he uh, they gave ended up giving him ketamine, and he he died in the ambulance um, afterwards. Like, but like his last words were just I, just like the like most heartbreakingly beautiful monologue I could imagine. Uh, and it's like still just unfathomable to me how during the course of being accosted by police and, and literally being killed, someone could say the things that he said. I mean, but I, to me, one of the things that really, I mean, it, that that all rang, uh, not rang, it, it hit a little bit closer to home is because it literally is closer to home. I mean, it's in my extended community. And then also I was like, holy shit, like I know what it was like to be on ketamine. I cannot imagine being in that high intensive a situation have been you know being choked within an inch of your life and then having that shit like i i i can imagine how panicked and terrified he must have yeah. felt so that's that's the, the 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 most out there drug i i've i've tried i did not like it i asked the doctors um to cut you know i think i was supposed to take 10 minutes more of it and i i managed to get a sentence together of just like just get get me off of this so you did not enjoy they, it yeah they, but yeah, I think um, no, it was terrible. I think uh, uh, with only a few experiences with things that uh, take you somewhere else. I don't. I don't want to say hallucinogen, hallucinogenic, but I just say like with 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 short experiences with things that take you somewhere else. Um, for sure, the first few times, it's a very uncomfortable feeling for us because we're so used to feeling so in control to what our thoughts are, to what our feelings are, to our sensations, to our bodies. But after a couple passes, I wouldn't say we get used to it, but we kind of adapt or learn to kind of just let it, let it take control as opposed to us being controlling of it, of, of that sensation, that feeling, that psychological, um, so I, th- I don't know. I've never tried ketamine. I I would I would want to try it, but I don't have a clinical reason to try it. Same thing with like I, I same thing with like recommend science. it. Well, I would try. Like I said, I, I knowing that the first time might be crazy, I would be willing to try it first, second, third time until I kind of feel like whatever. Like okay. So so the the, the good thing about ketamine though, um, especially because like like I, I was on a relatively low dose. They just kept pumping it into me. Is your your body will clear it out of your system pretty quickly, oh. and for me that was the most difficult part. Was like I knew if they just unplugged the IV, you know, within ten minutes I would be back to normal. And I'm like, I hate this sensation. I feel like I've been here for days already. I just want it to be over. I could have it be over. So like, it was like this mental battle of like, um, I remember I was listening to like the most just relaxing, like like soft like songs I could hear, and it was like you know, every verse felt like it was taking forever, but I'm like, okay, I just need to get 
through the end of this couplet. Okay, I just need to. It was like like line by line. I was just you know telling myself, okay, just keep going a little <laughs> bit farther, so so you can make it to the end of this stupid treatment. Um, on the next episode, would you try DMT? On the next episode of of uh, the Degenerates Clubhouse. Oh, okay. Can, can we end it on this? Just because I brought up Elijah McLean, maybe we could talk about this more. I want to uh, answer your question. Time, I, I, I want to answer your question for sure, but we're already two hours in, and I don't know if you want to go longer. Let me let me just read his last words. Yeah. We can okay. we could maybe revisit sure. it. The, to, I want to end on that. I, and this is this is again. This is from when they first basically. Um, they first basically start accosting him. They get him down the ground. He's like being choked to death as, as he's saying all this. Um, his last words were, I can't breathe. I have my ID right here. My name is Elijah McLean. That's my house. I was just going home. I'm an introvert. I'm just different. That's all. I'm so sorry. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. Why are you attacking me? I don't even kill flies. I don't eat meat. But I don't judge people... I don't judge people who don't eat meat. Forgive me. All I was trying to do was become better. I will do it. I will do anything. Sacrifice my identity. I'll do it. You are all phenomenal. You are beautiful. And I love you. Try to forgive me. I'm a mood Gemini. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Ow, that really hurt. You are all very strong. Teamwork makes the dream work. Crying. I'm so sorry. I wasn't trying to do that. I just can't breathe correctly. Proceeds to vomit from the pressure on his neck and chest. That that was that was this dude's yeah, last I, I words. Heard, like, I, holy I, fuck! I, I, not not in super big depth. I heard that story, and you're right. That was a very very heartbreaking story. From what little, and I might be wrong. I understand about about yeah. him. Like, he was kind of ADHD, not quite. Not not not. It's let's, not an excuse. It's not. It's absolutely zero. Hold excuse. on, hold on. Let's let, let's let's just cut it on yeah. those on those words, and and I'm gonna stop. Yeah. All right. On the next episode, on the next episode, we might actually, maybe, maybe, we'll dive deeper into <laughs> our psychiat- psychiatric, psychedelic experiences. Who knows? We might, we might save that for another day. We have a, we, Aaron and I have a lot of like things in the pipeline that we want to talk about for sure. We have plenty of ammunition. Um, we weren't even intending to talk about drugs or psychiatrics or or psychedelics. I'm sorry. Um, but it, it it just yeah, R.I.P. Elijah McLean, R.I.P. George Floyd. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey everyone, Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.